Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the NBA playoffs continue on and the world is still upside down. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Milwaukee Bucks. The Hawks are 6-2 and two on the road in the playoffs. They beat them 116-113. Chris Middleton had a three to tie the game, but on a night that neither team could shoot the three and a night that he was 0-9, for 9, that thing wasn't going in. So Trey Young's 48-point performance is the difference in a 116-113 win over Milwaukee on the road. Nothing wrong with what Antetokounmpo did. He had his, what, 33-34. He and Drew Holiday went nuts. They combined for 67 points, split them almost down the middle. Middleton didn't really hold up his end of the bargain. He's got to shoot it better, and he said that in his availability after the game. But the Hawks were up 1-0. Coaching change midseason, left for dead, rally, get into the playoffs, get into the 4-5 series, Take down the Knicks, take in five, the Sixers in seven, and now they are up on the Milwaukee Bucks. Go figure. Go figure. Man, Trey Young is killing it. And the Hawks, they haven't been to the NBA Finals since they played in St. Louis in the 60s. Last time they went, they played Bill Russell. I mean, it's been a minute. And they're not there yet. They're going to win three more games. We'll see how this goes. Uh, you know, the Bucks did a good job getting up off the floor against the Nets, so... We'll see how this plays out, but uh, an intriguing game one, and it goes to the Hawks on the road. Everything shifts back to the West tonight, game three. Kawhi Leonard is out, as expected. They're kind of playing a game of cat and mouse with him. I don't get it from what we've heard. Reading between the lines, he's done for the postseason. But they keep kicking the can down the road. And and I just think if he needs surgery, how to just shut it down and have it, how much of next year are you going to miss? But I guess they're holding out hope, that million-to-one shot, that somehow he can come back and contribute in the playoffs. Doesn't look like it, doesn't feel like it, but that seems to be where they're going. Chris Paul coming out of COVID protocol. He doesn't have symptoms. I think the only thing is to make sure he's not contagious. Does he get negative tests? Uh, It's a bad look for the NBA to play games and have him spread it and, you know, have him him forbid, right, more guys come down with it and they have to postpone a game because they don't have enough players. I think what happened to the Cardinals just spooked everybody. And NFL got all their games in, uh, but they had to move games to Tuesdays and Wednesdays to play them because they had so many positive tests. And I think we're in a different place. They're not really announcing how many guys on each team have been vaccinated, and it's possible that there are teams that still have a lot of guys who aren't. Um, But I think we're in a different place than what happened to some of the NFL teams and what happened to the Cardinals and the Marlins, I think it was. Um, But nonetheless, we're seeing the PGA Tour and the NBA. If a guy's positive, he's just he's not playing. They want to risk him spreading it to anybody. It's a it's a horrible look if they spread it to somebody else. And, you know, so no Chris Paul. Now, it hasn't hurt the Suns yet. They're up 2-0. But uh, he's listed as probable for game three tonight. So take that probable. And I think we get Chris Paul. Now, for the Clippers, they were down 0-2 to Dallas and 1-7. They were down 0-2 to the Jazz, and they won in 6. So they're 0-2 again. Can they win again? Uh, I think not. I think Phoenix is uh, healthier and in a better place and playing better. Uh, Phoenix, I mean, you got to give it to Phoenix. They've won nine straight road games. I know they got a little boost early on because Anthony Davis went down. They were down 2-1 to the Lakers, and Davis had a couple of 34-point games, 32-point games, something like that. He was over 30. Um, but he got hurt, and ever since then, the Suns have been unstoppable. 
So we'll see if they get to 3-0 on the Clippers. Uh, the Nuggets kind of did this last year where they were down 3-1 to the Jazz and came back. They were down 3-1 to the Clippers and came back. And they got down 3-1 in the Western Finals. And it was like, well, don't write them off. They might come back and get the Lakers. And, of course, they didn't, and the Lakers won the title. So we'll see if the Clippers can, you know, the third time is the charm and they do it again. I would think not. And 2-0, the Suns are halfway there. And they've done it without Chris Paul. So getting Chris Paul back, you think, would make the Suns even tougher tonight. Game three tonight. All right, DJ and PK, more in a moment. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe coming up. Jazz analyst and also the Salt Lake Tribune's new sports editor. Uh, where's their emphasis going to be? What are they looking to cover? We'll talk with Aaron Falk next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Aaron Falk, the new sports editor at the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Time to welcome in Aaron Falk. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. We'd love to have you on every time your life changes. We were talking to you in the bubble less than a year ago, and look at this. The bubble's gone. You've left the Jazz. You're the new sports editor at the Trib. How did all of this happen? You know, life life comes at you fast, David. There it is. Um, uh, you know, this was something that was sort of in the works for, for a few months for me. Um, it you know, uh, Joe Baird is is the outgoing sports editor. Um, he was my boss for you know about five years um, before I moved to the Jazz, and uh, you know he's retiring and and just looking for um, sort of a, a, you know this is a, this is an interesting time for the Tribune. It is a um, in, in a nonprofit status at this point. We're at once a week uh, a print product. And kind of a you know heavy online as most things are, um, and so just trying to figure out some of this um, media landscape, and it's it's um, it's intimidating and exciting all at once. And and uh, I think this is, this is day three on the job for me, and so just still trying to, to catch my breath and, and get my feet under me. But I'm, uh, I'm I'm just thrilled to be back at a place that I I love and and truly believe in. So a lot of people, we see newspapers and it doesn't that conjure up, oh man, that's a uh, secure job and who knows what's going to happen. Many have folded and all that. What would you say to that as far as job security, being able to go into a business that the better days are behind it? <laughs> well, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is uh, partially motivated by, you know, we, we just went through it. A strange time in a pandemic, and I think a lot of people are um, reevaluating their their decisions and, and trying to do things that bring them um, the most joy. Um, maybe it's just a dog returning to its vomit. Maybe it's um, you know, got to be a better but, phrase than that. <laughs> uh, 
But you know, no, this, it, it's it's something that that I believe in. And, and honestly, here's here's the deal. When I when I left the Trib um, in in 2018 to go to the Jazz, um, one the, the Jazz was a great opportunity, and I, I'm truly thankful for the things that I was able to do there and things I was able to learn there. Um, but when I when I left the Tribune, uh, it was it felt very dire. Um, I'm not going to lie. You know there. We'd been owned by a hedge fund for a very long time that had um, liquidated physical assets, changed um, operating agreement contracts, and, and, you know, just looking for fast cash. Paul Huntsman had come in, um, John and Paul Huntsman had come in and and tried to buoy things, but it was still um, really uncertain. And and you know what? Um, This kind of, this being one of the first papers to go to a nonprofit um, model, uh, a lot of things to figure out there, but it, it was a step in the right direction. Um, and frankly, as, as much as it pains um, some longtime readers to only have a once a week print product, the cost of print um, and and all those things uh, were were so great that this this is an opportunity to not only you know make this a, a financially viable enterprise, but to I think do some really cool journalism as well. Um, and, and so, you know what, I, I wouldn't be going back there if I thought that this was uh, a sinking ship. I, I think that, that the Tribune is um, uniquely positioned among, you know, traditional newspapers, um, give, given those things that I just mentioned. And I am, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think I'm going back to a sinking ship. I think I'm going back to a thing that we can we can um, not just float, but but can cruise on for a very long time. And I think that's I know I'm excited about it. And I, and I hope um you know, in, in time, uh, all of all of our readers in, in this community can be excited about it again. It is still possible to do interviews one-on-one with people who aren't in uh, kind of the mainstream, most popular sports at the most popular levels. But if you're in the mainstream sports at the most popular levels, it's a series of Zoom calls. How do you do anything unique at the Salt Lake Tribune that people will want to make the effort to go seek out and read. Yeah, you know, I, I think um it, it requires it requires um effort. Um it re- it requires some some thinking and planning, but you know, even even the the best and, and biggest publications that are getting these, you know, a one-on-one with with an NBA star aren't getting huge amounts of time. It, it, and it goes back to just the, the things that that you know that you guys do when when you're booking guests that that PK did when when he was um, working at, at the Tribune. Um, you know it, it's 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 about finding things around the edges and filling in stories that way. It's about finding unique angles. It's about finding um, taking that kind of commodity news that everyone has, making sure that you have your own angle and and um, and and your own analysis. And, and it's about hardworking and smart reporters. And I, and I think we have that. And I think we're, we're going to, uh, you know, figure some things out and, and, you know, get, get going again. And um, I, I think that possibility absolutely exists. It's just a matter of, it's a matter of being strategic planning and then busting ass to, to do it. So one of the things that I think makes an effective sports section is that you give essentially the readers what they want, right? And then you can probably say that in every section and uh, there was a sports editor, a couple, I think it's two removed from you, a guy named Michael Anastasi. I'm not sure if you worked for him or not. Uh, but he comes up from uh, California, Los Angeles area, and he looks at it. You know, what, what 
is big in our community. Well, the Jazz is obviously. I mean, they're the top dog and they'll most likely always be the top dog. But he recognized that college football in our market is just gigantic. I mean, it is as big in our market as it is in any in the West, really, uh, particularly when you consider our size. So the point I'm making is that he put tons of resources into college football. I mean, I remember one time, I think it was BYU played Notre Dame at South Bend, and I was the only guy who went, or the only person who went from the newspaper, and I had like eight stories to write that day. Anastasi comes in, he sends columnists, he sends sidebar guys, people, I shouldn't say guys, but people, and uh, really put a ton of financial resources into it. And I thought, from that perspective, was a huge, huge addition and made college football super big to the level that the community bought into it. So I thought it was a brilliant decision. My thought for you going forward is what is your basic philosophy on that and will the resources be available for you guys to put that into something that I think the community just eats up? Yeah, you know, obviously the this is, like I said, it's a nonprofit. It is these are these are um, different times, and and the the staffing levels and and some of the things simply just aren't aren't the way that they were, um, you know, 15 years ago, and and certainly before that. Um, so there there are we we have to be creative in, in some ways, but absolutely, I mean that that remains a, a, a top priority. Um, we're committed to to traveling um for our for our writers we are committed to to finding those stories and and you know maybe it's not you know i'm just just thinking maybe it's not sending five people to, to south bend but we can certainly find um stories and and ways to to have that product to have people engage because this is i mean we're, we you know it's not wanting to to only go out and write things that um the readers want sometimes that that you have to write things that, that maybe make people feel a little uncomfortable, what have you. But but this is we're we're looking for subscribers. I mean, so we, we want to have a product that means something to our readers, and and that's you know this we are I think once upon a time there you know the Solid Tribune, the Deseret News, what have you. They were they were you know the two big voices in the community, and and you know it was probably enough gravity that that when somebody spoke, people listened. Now it's competition in, a, in a, on a level that that um, you know didn't exist, especially when you're looking at across the the entire internet landscape. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have to stand out. We have to be able to provide things that that people want, and we have to work for it. And, and that's that's what we're committed to do. So there was a time when the Salt Lake Tribune was all in on high school sports coverage. And PK always makes the point that it's a passionate part of the sports landscape, but the people who move through that portion of the landscape are always changing. So it's a different group of people who are passionate. What kind of resources do you want to put on high school sports? Yeah, it's a conversation we're having, and and I I think we will um, uh, put some more resources on that, but it's something that we're still figuring out. I'm um, like I said, this is this morning will be day three for me, and and there's a lot to uh, to process and, and go over. But um, we we do want to we do want to uh, lean into that because you're you're right. It is a passionate group. Um, it's, it's just a matter of of striking the right tone and and um, and, and the right level with, with the staffing levels that we have right now. Um, but I I am uh, that that is that is high on my radar. Absolutely. 
I think all of us in the industry, and, and you know, I consider myself a print guy at heart, and I just cringe anytime I hear the possibility of layoffs. I mean, it just is the worst. I don't want to see that ever for anybody. I don't care who you are. I just losing your job because of a layoff. If it's a job performance, that's not good either, but at least it's somewhat more understandable. And if people get laid off, it's just brutal. And we've experienced that here. I mean, close, close friends in the business have lost work, and it's obviously very bothersome, as I'm sure it is to you, Aaron. What is the commitment from the organization above you to make sure staffing stays at the need that it needs to be? I mean, that's, you know, that there are, I, you know, I, I'm not in, in a position that, frankly, well above my pay grade to, to promise those types of things, but, but he, I'll go back and say again, I mean, I'm, I'm not coming back to this if I don't feel that we are in a, a not only a, a stable position, but a, but a position now to, to turn that stability into, into growth. And um, I, I believe that, you know, the, 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 this, this, the way the city and the state are growing, um, the way that we are reshaping the product and, and, you know, the, 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 the sort of leadership we have with, with Lauren Gustus, the, uh, you know, our, our editor, executive editor coming in and, and taking charge. Um, we are, we are in a very good position and I feel very, very safe right now. And I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I feel very good about that. Um, you know, I, when will we be able to grow staff uh, that I don't know, but that, that's my goal. My goal would be, I, I have much more of a, uh, my my sights on being able to grow than than reduce at this point. No, that's good news. That's good to hear. I hope you can accomplish that. You know, Lauren was here uh, previously in her career and was a beat writer covering Utah basketball in the Ray Jacoletti era, so roughly 15 years ago, give or take a little bit. And I'm curious now if uh, you think college basketball is still a big deal in this town or not. You know, um, it's it's tough to say. You know, I I don't think that it's it's the deal that it once was, um, and and you know maybe that comes back with with the the right right season or right right team, whether it's in BYU or or at the U. Um, but we're we're still committed to that, and, and our Utah writer Josh Newman, who's um, New York guy, who's been here for for you know getting got here just before the pandemic hit. Um, he is a a college hoops head and, and loves it. And, and so I think even if I, uh, even if I felt differently, he would, he would be um, covering the running youths, you know, aggressively and, and thoroughly. So, um, I, you know, we, we, we will be doing those things. I, to me, I personally, I, I feel like it, it's, it's fallen off and I would love to see it come back again. I mean, passionate fan base is good for, for them. It's good for us. It's good for you guys. Yep. <laughs> um, would, would love, would love to see that. Now, as, I, as I'm just speaking candidly, have not seeing that currently. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This is probably maybe more minutia than our listenership wants, but we've seen the evolution of journalism just be exactly that, and it's changed dramatically, and all games are on television now and so forth. And so growing up in the business – you know, you were told there's only like one or two people that can offer opinions slash analysis. The rest of them have to play it down the middle and all that stuff and just report on what happens. What do you see as possibly changing away from that and getting maybe a beat writer 
to be evolved in more as analysis slash opinion and what he or she sees when she goes or he goes and covers events. Yeah, I, I, I was just talking to, to Gordon Monson on the phone about that yesterday, and um, you know, he—that's he, how he felt. He said he—he he, he was like, Aaron, I might be, uh, you know, phasing out my my own job here, but but I I he firmly believes that the B writers should be able to to do those things, and and you know what, they are they are starting to do those things, and and we're seeing that across, um, you know all outlets and, and that idea of of just sort of you know writing everything down the middle is is, is going away and that's not to say that that everyone has to to be um the columnist that, that gordon is and, and that everything is is um you know an, an opinion but i i would want our writers to feel um confident in in doing that and, and to feel that they have the expertise to you know, to analyze the thing that they're watching more than, frankly, just about anybody else. I mean, and we're seeing that a lot with, with Andy Larson, who is a guy um, who, you know, has a skill set that, that might not have gotten hired at the Tribune a uh, uh, number of years ago. Not a traditional journalism background, but, but certainly someone who is analytical in, in his thought process and, and in his writing um, and is is willing to do that. And, and you know, we I, I frankly love to see that. I love to see everybody um, using their expertise to to lay out, you know, whether uh, th- their position. And, and again, like I said, not not in a traditional columnist sense, but an analyst analysis should be part of part of the job. Absolutely. So I think it's just about letting that show up in stories because everybody's on Twitter and certainly you can check Andy's Twitter feed and he's telling Quinn when to sub and when not to sub and why to sub this guy or sub that guy. I mean, opinion is is already there. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you think there's a, um, a difference between those things, I mean, every, every tweet from our reporters, for better or worse, represents uh, our reporters and, and the Salt Lake Tribune and, and maybe there are some conversations to be had uh, in on that regard, but... Um, yeah, like you, you would be an absolute fool to think that you know you can voice opinion on Twitter, but as soon as as soon as you start writing for the website, that goes away. If you've already voiced opinion, you have voiced opinion in the public sphere. So you think I got a shot to replace you on the job you just left? Um, absolutely. You want a reference? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I, I mean, this radio thing is kind of dying for me. So uh, you know. <laughs> You know, you could you could probably wrap up the show and then head over to the Zions Bank basketball campus, clock in. Um, I'm lucky they still keep me employed at this. Yeah, you got you guys are, are uh, you guys do a great job. We, um, you know, and, and I I always um, having been part of LHM and then now the Smith or Smith Entertainment Group before moving back to the trip. I mean. The, the zone and, and everybody there was always um, great to me. And, uh, you know, it's cool to hear that you guys are, are thriving. And, and frankly, you know, like in, in, a, in, in this media market, to me, it's, I, I'm not trying to like, I, I don't see this as, as newspaper wars or media wars or, or, you know, what I'd love to see is, is someone um, struggle so that we can thrive. I, I think there's room in this market for all of us to thrive and, and everyone should just be trying to, to find their lane and, and their angle and, and to feel a little different. And, and um, you know, that, that we're, we're lucky that we have passionate fans, um, 
in in a market this size for with the sports teams and, and the success that we've had and, and this room for all of us and so I'm, I'm i'm thrilled for you guys and i'm and I'm excited to get going back on the trip before i let you go you used to uh you did the podcast with joe and renee ingles uh, i assume that's over and if so how much are you gonna miss it yeah i i'm i'm, I'm assuming that's over too i haven't necessarily fully discussed that um but no i'll i'll, I'll miss that and and it was just, um, you know, just on a on a personal note, very cool to um, have those two people welcome us in, into their home um, and and you know open up and and um, and just to see how much Renee how how good Renee is at, at running running something like that and how much she cared um, to have you know Joe uh, open up to us that way as he does with you guys on, on his weekly spot um, was, was super cool. And, and, you know, we did a lot of that um, during, during the pandemic. So it was at a time when you know, everyone, we personally feel a little, a little isolated and, and just to be able to have that interaction with people and be able to discuss those things was, um, was really, really welcomed. And uh, yeah, if, if that's the end, I'll definitely miss that, but uh, we'll be, uh, following them. I'm sure they will keep going with maybe JP Chunga, who's uh, the, the producer and does a great job over at uh, utahjazz.com with his, with his podcast, Round Ball Roundup and whatnot. So um, I'm, I'm sure that will, that will continue to live on some level. Well, Aaron, good luck with the new job, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be reading. We'll be following you on Twitter. We'll see, how, see where this goes. The brave new world. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it goes to a subscription, David. I'll, I'll be... That's all I'm asking. Don't make, don't make me break any kneecaps. Apparently, you have not done the full research. Because as I told PK once, my wife, having gone to Medell and been a newspaper writer, he said, how long are you going to have the trip? And I said, until the trip dies or she dies. <laughs> that's, that's a well, non-negotiable. I hope for well, neither. Right, exactly. Yeah, let's, let's, it's let's, non-negotiable. Let's revisit this in, uh, in you know, 75 more years, DJ. Let's yeah. keep going. The reason, yeah. the reason it doesn't hit our driveway seven days a week is because you're only printing it one day a week. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's why that changed. So. All right. Well, hey, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And tell your wife thank you. Okay, I will do that. All right. All right. Thanks. Take care, guys. There's Aaron Falk, the new sports editor of the Salt Lake Tribune. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, jazz radio pre-half and post-game studio analyst. What do the jazz need to do in the offseason? Where are the flaws in the roster? What needs to be addressed? There's more than one. How do you prioritize them? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe used to be an assistant coach at BYU. Before that, he was on Rick Majerus' staff at Utah. He is now our Jazz pre-half and post-game analyst. And Tim Lacombe joined PK and I late in yesterday's show to prioritize the Jazz offseason needs. Now, you hear a few last nights as he references the end of Game 2 in the Western Conference Final. 
So uh, that's, uh, you know, obviously two days ago now, but you get the point. And uh, most importantly, how do the Jazz match up with these teams in the West and what does Mike Conley want to do? And let's get to all of that right now. Brought to you apart by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. That's Ozzy Osbourne. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Also rock star. That was Tim you just heard right there. Oh, that was Ozzy. Tim, how are you? Uh, good morning, y'all. How are you today? <laughs> Do you paint your fingernails black? Yeah, and my eyelashes. <laughs> Probably black. Dave Rose saw you in concert, and he told me, and he was absolutely serious when he said this. He said, you got to see him. He takes on the whole persona. You could just hear in his voice, like, I've watched a lot of basketball games with this guy. I've watched film of opponents. I've watched, you know, 16-year-old stars who wanted to recruit. And it just blew his mind, this persona that you don't have when you're watching basketball, that you do have when you step on stage. And it was 100% genuine. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, I met these guys. It was a high school deal. Uh, we, I, I moved to Texas and you know, trying to connect with buddies and end up finding these guys. We, we start a band way back then and, you know, time goes on, but we've all kind of maintained a friendship and over the years, um, not been able to get together very much, but when we have, it's like riding a bike and, uh, you know, we're going to actually play Utah here in a couple of weeks. Um, I was all worried that the you know, the championship round would conflict and how I would handle that, but I don't need to worry about that anymore. Are I you think surprised that, uh, that my you schedule don't... just freed up. Are you surprised that you don't need to worry about that now? Um, you know, there's parts of me that are, uh, but I when I watched that game last night, um, you know, the it is just so difficult to, you know, plan winning a championship. I think that... Uh, a huge part of it is is there, there's obviously a lot of uh, of skill and there's a lot of uh, things that you have to do. Like Aiden had to go make that play last night to give him the two zero lead, and Monty Williams had to draw it up, and you know Book had to back pick, you know, uh, set a back pick as a decoy. I mean, there's so many things that have to go into it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of good fortune too, and um, you know the Jazz had good fortune health-wise all year long. Um, you know, they did not lose because of their health. I, I want to say that because they were playing a team that uh, obviously their best player wasn't playing. So I think at the end of the day, what, what happened is the Jazz just, you know, for whatever reason, hit a very, very rough spot, a spot where the ball wasn't um, always kind of going in the way it was in some cases. And in other cases, you know, the defense, which was something that they relied on quite a bit, during the season really just kind of for whatever reason the Clippers kind of found the way to attack the Jazz that 
that was real, that they were real susceptible. I saw it all year long, you know, when teams spread them out and drove them, and um, it was really difficult for them. So just some things that, you know, you got to look forward as you look forward to build and add pieces. I think that's where you look. So what are you prioritizing? Bigger guards, uh, another really athletic forward with some size because Royce has taken the best score on the other team, but he's 6'4", so sometimes he's given up four or five inches. A lot of times he is. Uh, or, or you want a, a small ball center who can protect the rim and yet run around like crazy and defend on the perimeter. You know, it's, it's crazy, but... Um... You know, I think I think they could use a little bit of any of those, and so I think you end up getting best player available. Um, you know, the the intriguing to me is is a four man, or excuse me, a big man that can that you can play small ball with because I think we're seeing it right. That's the future of the game. Uh, so I, I think that the I think any of those. I think you know you you won't go wrong if you pick an athletic guard. You know, a defensive-minded guy um, or a big that can help stretch the floor. I, I feel like that, you know, somebody that Quinn certainly has confidence in to be able to put in the, in the role would be the most important thing. And whether you get that, you know, via trade, free agency, uh, or the draft, I mean, I think that that's – I think you guys hit it on the head, a couple of the positions that this team needs. And more importantly, you know, it's always interesting because it happened to us many times where, you know, there's a certain point in the season where you feel like, dang, we're pretty deep. You know, we got a, we got a deep team here. We can play a lot of different guys. And then when it comes right down to it, you realize that some of that was a smokescreen. And that was the part that really kind of fascinated me more than anything is the jazz bench was, they were great all year long. And, and, and to be fair, you know, with Mike playing, or Mike not playing the majority of that Clippers series, uh, you know, bummed Joe up into the starting lineup, which took a weapon off the bench. Um, but man, the Jazz bench got really, really thin. And by really thin, I mean, you know, outside of Clarkson, very, very little input on the offensive end at all. And uh, it's just hard when you don't have the weapons to be able to roll out there and the numbers to be able to roll out there. Um, that really, at the end of the day, that hurt them. Yeah, that that to me that that absolutely that is interesting because you look at the Clippers and they had guys and obviously Terrence Mann is the classic example who played way above what their expected ability was and I don't think the Jazz had anybody who played above what their expected ability was. You know, I know that Mitchell was sensational, but for me personally, I expect that out of him. So there's very little that he can do to surprise me because I think he's just that good. What can the Jazz do to maybe get that as far as going forward is to get guys who can be a little bit better than they have been because the argument, and I know it's tough to say, but there were guys in the postseason who played worse than they did in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Not not just worse, but like way worse, right? Um, and, and that was the other piece of watching the game last night. Cameron Payne, a guy who was playing with Jimmer in China, Um scores 29 points last night and, and that's what you have to have you're you know donovan did his job he certainly he raised his level you know from from regular season once again we saw it in the bubble last year 
But Donovan's a bona fide superstar. I mean, the way he can raise his level. And now it's just being able to get dudes surrounding him that can do the same thing. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, Cameron Payne certainly is receiving great coaching, you know, and has his whole life. But the the inner fire, this, you know, to have him go to China, continue to chase a dream, and then come back here, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of unique stories. And so I think that's really what it comes down to is surrounding your main guys with a whole bunch of weapons. And uh, you saw what it does when you've got a, a compliment of Joe and Clarkson coming off the bench. Uh, and then Niang had, a, I thought Niang had a really good season and then just totally, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the reasoning or whatever, but just totally, you know, went um, completely silent in the playoffs. And I, I mean, I think that that really, those types of things and not having enough guys, you know, contributing that really hurt um, the Jazz chances as as the playoff kind of wound down. I'm surprised you dismiss injury as quickly as you did because I think a lot of the bench problems are with Mike out. I mean, they had four players on the bench with Mike out. Joe goes into the starting lineup. Now they got three guys on the bench. And yeah. No, no, no. No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I guess my thing, I never wanted to blame injury for because – at the end of the day, it's a variable, and if if it was only exclusive, mutually exclusive to you, then that's one thing. But you know, the league is dealing with a rash of injury, and in the very team you're playing, their best player and perhaps one of the top five players in the league was out. Yes, that's um, all true. I so, agree with that. I, I so guess the, the thing is I guess that that's why. I guess the thing is, if you're in the Jazz front office, which you and I aren't, but if we were and we try to put ourselves in their shoes, if it's not about the injury, you better change the roster. But yeah, if the injury right. did do it, then you better you better kind of stay the same status quo and run it back again and give them a yeah. chance to do it. If the injury was the only thing separating them from doing it. Yeah, and and you make a great point. I mean, I I guess I was not putting myself in their shoes. I was holding the phone up to my ear talking <laughs> to two guys in Salt Lake. So you're right. Um, but no, but I but I mean, as a, a holistically, yeah. I mean, the injuries were just terribly timed. And um, but if you you know if you're going to say that, you've got to admit that the reason the Jazz had the number one seed and were the best team in the league the majority of the year is they they were able to avert all that stuff um, for the most part. So it it is a, yeah, it's very frustrating. Uh, It's hard to, it's hard to think what if, you know, if everybody would have been healthy. Um, But that's the, uh, again, the difficulty in winning a championship, you have to overcome so many obstacles that, you know, when you start out on your journey, you don't even know exist. You think they need to have an, a, line, a lineup where they can have five dependable three-point shooters? I don't think it would hurt. Um, you know, to be able to do that, uh, real, realistically, it would be the minutes Gobert is not playing because you know uh, he's going to play his minutes, and and I think. But yeah, I think uh, you know I when, I almost wondered AAC is not the answer, you know right now or going forward but I thought it would be interesting you know there were times during the season when uh, I was I remember one particular game against the Lakers where Billy Sobo was really good actually did a nice job defensively moved his feet the Jazz did kind of play a smaller lineup and then on offense
offense, he was just able to kind of help space and make threes. Um, but so somebody like that, you know, that's not as down the road in their career. Uh, the one thing I've been really impressed with with this organization, this ownership uh, to this point, and, and then obviously the, the front office, they do a great job of finding guys, A, that fit, um, and then, you know, they find – like the Royce O'Neal find was, was phenomenal. You know, I always thought the world of George Niang as a college player. Uh, I thought he was just an instant bucket. And, you know, the fact that he ended up. Uh, but, you know, that's that's where they've got to, I guess that's where they've got to find some of that depth. The, the salary situation right now, obviously, they're up against it. Um, you know, free agency will be interesting for the first time, uh, you know, with Dwayne Wade here and see what kind of impact that makes. But, um, I'm with you. I don't think you scrap everything. I think there's there's plenty to build around, but uh, athletic wings that don't mind guarding, like defense, um, you know, guys that certainly can shoot the three ball, and then, you know, a, a smaller big guy who's got some skill and ability to shoot a perimeter shot to keep people honest. So as long as we're playing woulda, coulda, shoulda, uh, I'm curious if you think if the Clippers would have won the series, all the injuries everybody had, that that all stays the same. It's just one of those mm-hmm. things that happens, so you got to deal with it. But if the Clippers had not signed Batum after Charlotte dumped him in his contract, stretched it and let him go or whatever, and then the Reggie Jackson buyout in Detroit, if they don't have those two guys, do the oh, Clippers yeah. win the series? I don't think so because those guys were huge. You know, you go back and look what Jackson, Batum, uh, and Kennard, who Kennard was again really good last night uh, in that game against Phoenix. They they made some very very good moves. They they added some some layers to their team, some depth to their team. But no, I, I think you saw the pivotal plays and, and shots that Jackson and Batum particularly made in that series. I don't think they do. You know, especially with Kawhi being out, uh, they were really able to kind of change. They were kind of able to change their approach on the fly, and they were, you know, and and, and were able actually to to find some mileage out of it. So I think that 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 was brilliant move by them. But again, it's flip a coin. Sometimes you know you you take a chance on an older guy like Batum, and it ends up you know kind of flaring out on you. So so much of that is just again positive positive stuff to look back on. And you got to give the Clippers a lot of credit for making the moves they did. What do they do with Conley? Uh, I love him. Um, I just don't know. I think that some. I'm I'm curious to know what Conley wants to do. Yeah, you know, I right. Think that's always huge. Uh, but I would have to think that these have been positive years for him in terms of the way he's received and the way he's treated. Um, you know, I've never met Mike, but I know that there's a great relationship there with, uh, with ownership. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of money you throw at him. I guess that's why, you know, now I'm just a logistics guy and a part-time radio dude, because I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I certainly, I, I will say this. I thought Mike answered the bell after a very disappointing season and it would have been easy making the amount of money he he was making to just kind of like ride it out. But Mike had one of the best years of his career. And that says a lot, you know, he's had a great career, made the all-star game, you know, finally, you know, deserving of that. 
Um, how does he fit? You know, what kind of uh, red flags pop up, you know, from a health standpoint? Because you do really, you know, when you sign these guys, you count on them, you need them. Um, nothing that, you know, happened was something that Mike loved. I mean, he, Mike hates sitting there. Uh, but I think that's all the stuff you've got away. I mean, if there's a way to keep him around and it makes sense, I think continuity is a good thing. And I think that that's something Dennis has talked about. You know, continuity is important to this organization. Um, you know, and if Mike can continue to play at the level he played at this year, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but that nagging injury and some of that stuff, that that would just make it really hard for me to settle on a number. Um, and, you know, that's that's going to be something where I think relationship will drive that. And if everybody has enough care about, you know, which they do, everybody looks at each other and cares about them, then I think it's just got to be, hey, what's what's honestly the very best thing we could do for you, for us? And, you know, that's where I think that thing, that decision will be made. But what you said first is really important. What does he want? You know? Yeah. He's a free agent, and he said, he made a point of saying in his exit interview, you know, this is the first time I've been a free agent. And so if the Lakers or the Clippers or the Suns or whoever, the Warriors, I don't know, whoever comes calling, what does he think? And I don't know that any of us know the answer to that. Yep, because I think, again, he's got to weigh a lot of different things, you know. The money, the opportunity, the ability to win. The ability to be comfortable. I mean, he came here last year and had, you know, for his standard, a very poor year. Um, you know, and that's not anything that, you know, that, that's something Mike would say. He just had a difficult year adjusting. But man, what a what a bounce back year. Um, but all that stuff, you know, Mike's got to weigh it. He's got to weigh how much somebody to pay me. What's my opportunity to play? What's my opportunity to win? And is it any better than here? And that's where you start to say, okay, what if they offer less money? I don't know. I mean, that's, it's a fascinating, it'll be a fascinating process for sure. Um, one that we probably won't get a lot of exposure to, but at the end of the day, uh, I think we'll be able to tell kind of what happened by the choice he makes or, or the choice he has to make. Tim, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. It's been a fun year, guys. Um, July 9th and 10th. If you guys aren't there, the friendship's over. So I would recommend you get online and get tickets because I ain't taking no for an answer from you two. What's the venue? Where are you going? We're playing the Valor in Provo. Uh, July 9th and 10th, back-to-back nights. We wanted to do the rock star thing where play one night. Yeah. You know, go get something to eat, take a nap, wake up the next day and do it again. Are so, they yeah. available at the door? Uh they won't be for you. You have to actually make an effort to get some, uh, but everybody else, yeah, there'll be some. Okay, if I drive down there and show up, that's what's called an effort. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you need to make a plan. <laughs> uh, but numbers, early numbers are good. We're, we are close to a sellout both nights, so it should be very fun. All right, there it is. Tim, and, we... and I just marketed as friend of PK, PK and DJ – um, and man, ticket sales have been crazy. So nice. thank you guys. <laughs> All right. All right, Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Bye. All right, there's Tim Lacombe, our jazz pre half and post game analyst. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, including game one in the East, next. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. Trey Young in the middle, four and a half to go third. Now Kevin Herter. Kevin out to John Collins. Back to Trey. Trey on the right wing. Trey drives off the glass, and John Collins jams it home. That was a pass off the glass by Trey Young. Trey Young's going to bring it back down for the Hawks. 2.35 to go in the quarter. Trey dribbling behind the pick. Now Trey crosses over. Stops. He sets. He shoots the three. Bang! They left him wide open, and he did a set shot. Trey dribbling, driving into the lane. Little floater by Trey. Is around the rim and out. Rebound, though, taken by Clint Capella. Up and in. Clint Capella has given the Hawks the lead. And the Atlanta Hawks win the game, 116-113. Yuck. Could you play that last part where he says in Clint Capella because he's giving him the lead? Go ahead. 116-113, the Hawks win game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Trey Young goes for 48 points and 11 assists. A massive game. You got it? Do it. Clint Capella has given the Hawks the lead. Didn't that guy sound like he's got helium? Yeah, a little bit, actually. That wasn't bad. <laughs> one more time. Clint yeah. Capella has given the Hawks the lead. Yeah. Not the whole balloon. No, no, no. Third to a half of a balloon. <laughs> Trey Young, the next Steph Curry. Yeah, <laughs> nice comparisons. Bring them. Hit us up. Kid's amazing, man. No doubt. For a, a, for a series that I literally couldn't care less who wins, I have zero passion on who wins. Trey Young brings me you. in. Yeah, he entertains you. Yeah. What is he going to do next? The essence of why I watch pro sports is Trey Young. He's a marvelous player. And, you know, he had it going on last night, obviously. But I like what he did on Sunday when he couldn't buy a shot, and yet he finds a way to make big shots right down at the end. That, to me, is even more impressive. Terrence Mann doing his thing, that's great. When you're you're hot, when you're on, you're on. But when you're two for 19 and the game is in the balance and you go three for four in the last six minutes? Yeah. After going two for 19, I mean, that kid's got some cajones. Exactly. Exactamundo. Good Spanish there. So how are we going to look back at the 2018 draft? In what way? Is this going to go back as a, as a one of the, we're going to get it into the debate of big time NBA drafts? Well, DeAndre Ayton goes one. Marvin Bagley, the third, goes two. I don't like Bagley, too. (laughs) <laughs> Luka Doncic goes three. I like that one. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. goes to the Grizzlies at four. Uh, to be determined. Trey Young at five. Obviously great. See, there's, there's factors the Atlanta, that go The Atlanta it, Hawks though. had the three pick and, and could have had Luka. They made a trade. Yeah. Traded down to five, but they get Trey Young. For sure. Yeah, so he looks great. I mean, sometimes like Aiton, you know, if you're just going to pick raw talent, you wouldn't pick him one. But you have to look at what the Suns needed at the time. And if they go and win a championship, then with who him, cares? Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. he's not going to be their mm-hmm. focal point. But not, but, but he's, he's an, good enough. He's an important piece of the puzzle. And he's, he's developing, too. And he, big men take a while. Right. And he only played one year. Uh, and then, I mean, just the idea of not making as much money when you're with the Suns versus the U of A, that was an adjustment. 
the pay cut. Yeah, yeah. So we had to get used. He had to down. And he had to leave Tucson and go to uh, Phoenix, so then he had to learn a whole new route to work. Uh, to a degree, because he went to that prep school in Phoenix. Yeah. So he had some experience. Okay, so the rest of the 2018 draft, I'm not going to read you everybody, but a oh, few of the bigger do. names. Until 10, what the hell? Bridges. <laughs> Mikel Bridges went 10. Nice Shea, player. Shea Gilgis Alexander went 11. Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. went 14. Well, at 14, if he were to retire today, which obviously he isn't, that was a good pick. Kevin Herter, who just had the uh, big game in Atlanta, went 18. 18. He's a classic Big Ten player to me. Went to Maryland, which is now Big Ten. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that you got a, a rotation player at 18, sure, you'll take that anytime. So that's a pretty good draft right there. Uh-huh. And we'll see if somebody else uh, comes out of it. There's some other guys who are playing, and we'll see what their who careers do we take? turn out to be. The Utah Jazz, if that is who you mean by we. Of course that's who I mean. <laughs> Grayson, Dude. Grayson Allen at 21. Well, that wasn't a bad pick. No. And obviously, they flipped it. Uh, flipped it to get Mike Conley, yeah. and he's playing. And there are other guys who are playing. You know, Dante DiVincenzo is playing. He was the 17th pick. He's hurt now, but yeah. yeah. So, you know, there are other guys uh-huh. through the through the draft, but that, that draft is looking pretty good. Tonight, the Suns and the Clippers. Chris Paul is listed as probable. Kawhi Leonard is listed as out. Suns are up 2-0. The game's 7 o'clock on ESPN. Yeah, I would expect the Suns to have a major advantage, but, you know, the Clippers have some guys, and they've been in this place before, so there certainly isn't any need, zero need to panic, obviously. Uh, and being down two is uh, standard for them. Uh, I think that kind of got under my skin a little bit, as Paul George was saying, well, the, this this time it's different, implying that, you know, the Suns are that much better than my team, and that bothers me. Well, they uh, lost games on purpose to get to one side of the bracket and avoid another side. Now, maybe they were avoiding the Lakers more than the Suns. The argument has been made. I think they were avoiding the Suns? They thought they were tougher. I mean, did they do it because they they? thought the Lakers were on the other side, or did they do it because they thought the Lakers and the Suns were on the other side? I don't think they gave a a second thought to the Suns. Well, they're giving them a thought now. Down 0-2. Need a win tonight. Chris Paul ought to be rested, obviously. <laughs> Got a long list of NBA jobs that are open. What's Portland going to do? What's New Orleans going to do? What's Indiana going to do? But it looks like we know what the Celtics are Becky, going to do. Becky, 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 Becky. That's who I'm voting Amanda for. Doka, uh, Nets no, assistant. I don't to care the about him. I want Becky, and I want her now. In which job? You name it. Any job. Becky. Covered her years ago as a Colorado State Ram. Becky. They have a lot of people rooting for her, for sure, if she gets it. And so did Jay Williams really tweet out that uh, congratulations to Boston, finally, this is their first uh, person of color that they hired? Did you hear about that? And then delete it? Well, then he put out a thing that said his... Oh, I think it had been hacked? Yeah. He implied it had been hacked because he changed his password. But people aren't buying it. Secured. I don't really follow this stuff and what's a secured account and these check marks mm-hmm. that you. Yeah. That Clay Travis, when I used to listen to you, always talk about the check marks, the blue check. I don't even know what the blue check mark is. You're verified. But you have to pay for it to get it. Somebody told me, or 
you oh. used to, you can get it without paying for it oh. now. Mm. You have to be part of a news organization. They have to go through a process to get the verification. Yeah, it sounds like way too complicated. I it, don't spend that much time on Twitter. Twitter I have, Twitter's not real life. I have the the blue check mark, and someone in Channel Two had to walk me oh, through. Oh, you got it. one. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, one of us in this group <laughs> yeah. has that blue check mark. Someone literally had to walk over to my desk and tell me how to do it. And you did it? Yeah. Oh, look at you. Everybody, I think if you go to all the channels. Oh, no, he'll, he'll pass the buck and just yeah. like, I had to do it. Yeah. Not that I wanted the status that comes with it. Either. What status comes with it? I've had it and there's been no status. That's <laughs> not true. That, that's You're verified. Yes, that's not true at all. You may think not as you try to pretend you're humble, but the rest of us know that that is a status point. It is a status symbol. I don't think you get any status for that. You do too! What status? You the, I still come in here and you still make fun of me, and you didn't even know I had it. Because I don't pay attention. I don't spend near as much time on Twitter as you do. I look at it right now. Kyle Van Oy has it. Kyle Van Oy has the blue. Well, truck. of course. So I got Kyle Van Oy and Sniggy. And you're telling me yeah. that there's no status to be on the status of Kyle Van Noy. That's not true. Kyle Van Noy, he's married to a gal who's going to try to create education better. <laughs> What's up, Marissa? <laughs> good, good poll right there. <laughs> <laughs> so people say that you can't that he wasn't hacked do you think he just did that and didn't think I mean it really sets back the cause when you find out they had six but I don't know did he do it or somebody get on there and do it no idea people but, are claiming it was an intern who was a little jilted that may have oh is that what it is there are people saying that's a possibility too like somebody was running his account and maybe there's no way Jay Williams didn't know at least Doc Rivers I had to look at the list and there's a couple guys I have well, zero memory but, of Emil Carr coaching the okay. Celtics Casey Jones yeah, but, Bill Case, Russell. but Casey Jones is in the huddle with Larry Bird and Bird's well, you got Bill Russell Bill Russell, Bill Russell player coach right the rest clear. of the guys if they get away from you I they did get not away remember Emil right. Carr all my, my, my exclusive knowledge of Emil Carr is waving the towel right he played, but he didn't. All right, he was on the bench cheering. Yeah, he seemed like a great teammate, but I, I have zero knowledge of him coaching. But Doc Rivers, yes, seems like that like would be yesterday, in, in, basically. Yeah, Jay's wheelhouse. So there's, I, I, I gotta believe he was hacked. There's no way Jay Williams would have done that. Zero. Team USA roster for the Tokyo Olympics set: Zach Levine, Jeremy Grant commit to playing. James Harden withdrew the hamstring. So the 12-man roster, Durant and Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Kevin Love, Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Levine, and Grant. So I got Durant and Lillard, you're telling me? Yep. All right, I'm good. <laughs> you good? Because they're going to shoot it. So is Bradley Beal. Yes, and both of those guys will be rested. Booker, Booker may up. might, but he might be like leaving and playing two days later across the yeah. world. July 22nd could be the final day of the finals, so, and they could play July 25th. I mean, 25th. That, that might be a little bit much to ask, but Durant and Lillard have had, will have extensive time off, so I feel good about that as far as our chances, and I say our 100% authentically because I'm obviously going to root for the U.S., no question about it. Uh, but, man, Isaiah Thomas, man, you were just born too soon if you wanted to be on the Olympic team. Not, nothing against some of these guys. But they don't have Isaiah But they're not Thomas household names. Resume. Right. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
The NFL has informed the 32 teams they will accept bids from cities other than Indianapolis if they want to host the annual scouting combine beginning in 2023. NFL teams will have the opportunity to let the league know whether they have interest in hosting the combine, the NFL draft, the Super Bowl. Combine started in Indianapolis in 1987. Been in India a long time. I think some other owners with expensive stadiums are like, hey, I want those dates in my stadium. How about renting my stadium out? No, oh, it ought to be in Phoenix, in Glendale. Make it a two-week deal and you get in some golf and I can have see, a sweet old I can time. I see a lot of GMs going, what that guy <laughs> just said. April, come on, let's do this thing. <laughs> All the scouts are like, yeah. February, isn't it? Out of, out of Indy. Draft is uh, Draft is in April. April. Sorry, combines in February. You are correct. My bad. February, that's good. That's great. Yeah, right. 80 degrees. Yeah. Or we could go to Indianapolis and it could be uh, overcast. I mean, we've seen the waste management every year and it looks pretty inviting. And they ought to do a thing to, to sell tickets. Yeah, people would go. People would absolutely go. Yeah, there's literally tens of thousands of people who go to the waste management and pay no attention to golf. And they pay their 50 bucks, whatever it is, to get in. And they don't pay any attention. I told you one time I'm standing there, and it's like in between the ninth and the first and the tenth holes, and it's a little, uh, you know, just not a actual part of the course. And I'm standing there, my wife goes in the bathroom, the guy looks at me, turn around real slow. I turn around real slow, and there was three gals there. Like, well, whoop de do? There's three thousand of them there. And. I mean, so what? I mean, it's not, I don't really get into that, you know. If someone's <laughs> looks, who, who cares? Yeah. And, and But just the way he said it. Turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real slow. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was going to see the greatest <laughs> thing these eyes have ever seen. I well, was walking I into Notre the, Dame Stadium. I didn't know the story, and I thought you were going to turn around and see a famous golfer. No, and I was, was trying to decide if it was going to be active or retired. <laughs> Which right, there's literally Arizona thousands State. Hello. of them there. Right. And, Nothing against them, but they were not. And I even hesitate to say it because who cares if they're drop dead gorgeous or what have you? What difference does it make? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Worst kept secret in San Diego the Holiday Bulls moving to Petco Park. Can't play it in Qualcomm Stadium. There it's been none. torn down. <laughs> it's just a hole in the dirt. <laughs> Isn't that obvious? Or they move it to Carson? <laughs> right, everything else. The Chargers went to Carson. The Dignity went to Carson. Park. <laughs> that was uh, when the youths were playing there. All the whatever color that is they all wear. When the all their blazers. They were talking about, oh, yeah, it's going to go to Petco. Oh, when the youths were playing in when the they, Yeah, when the youths gotcha. went down there and played Northwestern. They already knew what the plan was. It's walkable from the Hotel Seaport Village downtown area. It's easy. It's big enough. Well, it's Literally the only option. Yep. <laughs> they could move it back to the Aztec Stadium when it's built, but they're not going to. They're going to play it at Petco. NCAA President Mark Emmert said Wednesday the association is working on interim rules that will permit college athletes to earn money off their fame and celebrity by July. Well, hurry up already. It's of 2029. The rules are going to act as a bridge until there's a permanent solution, whether it's from the NCAA or the federal government. I have no idea what to I, do. I, I can't wait for this, man. Let's get going. I want to see after the Utes have their scr- uh, scrimmages in the fall, guys jumping in their Maseratis to drive back to the practice facility. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Instead of those buses. That Look at this Land Rover. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. You're walking. What are you, a walk-on? 
Coach, is that where the term walk-on came from? Uh, Kyle can still ride his bike 10 years from now. And uh, with the players will be in these old jacked up uh, $100,000 cars. Nice. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Maserati. I'm yeah. first team all pack. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how to I'm in a guy. Lamborghini. Is that Where's more expensive? Where's my Ferrari? Ooh. I, I, I couldn't I tell know. you. I just know that Joe Jaguar Walsh, sitting over here Joe Walsh has us. that Maserati in his song, and that's nice. what came to mind. So I assume that uh, I don't even know what a Maserati looks like. Where's my Aston Martin when I need it? Yeah. Well, I drove a Pinto. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. A 0-1 swing and a fly ball hit pretty well and pretty deep to right center. Going back Santander, and that ball is gone. Chaz McCormick goes deep for the ninth time this year, and the Astros' lead is 12 to nothing. And the pitch swung on and drilled to left. It is high. It is far. It is off the wall. Wade comes home. Wade scores. It's a walk-off line drive on the left field wall. Base hit by Luke Voigt. Uh, he's a con artist. He, he, he's been doing that for years on TV, and uh, that's... Uh, that's wow. So hold on. You're that's not cool. a Joe Girardi fan at all. Doesn't sound no, like No, I it. love Joe Girardi. I've seen him play since he was in high school in Peoria, Illinois. I scouted him in Northwestern. Uh, I know him well, but I, I know him well. <laughs> Mike Rizzo, Washington Nationals GM. It's embarrassing for Girardi. It's embarrassing for the Phillies. It's embarrassing for baseball. He's a con artist. Meanwhile, Rob Manfred. Hey, it's going great. My view is the first two days have gone very well. Well, I go the Mark Cuban thing. There's no bad publicity. People are talking about baseball. Yes. Yes. It's like the rage now. Their spin rate's down. <laughs> they were cheating. His spin rate hasn't changed. He wasn't cheating. But then you see uh, the Phillies and the Nationals, which is the game we were talking about two games ago, not last night, and it's 13-12. to 12. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, that... Guys who can still hit the ball occasionally and get hot and blah, 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 and the spin rate. I, I really don't think the average fan gives a crap about the spin rate. If there was nothing but a bunch of 1-0, 2-1 games, People would care. if there was 10 Jacob DeGroms instead of one. Well, like when we had multiple guys hitting 60 home runs. Yeah, yeah, and then it became a joke. Right. But at least that was offense, and we're told the American sporting public wants offense. So that was providing. People were tuned into that, and obviously the Sosa McGuire thing was captivating, even though it was, you know, quote unquote illegal. Uh, but I, I think the um, baseball public, those who should be interested in that sport, would be really turned off if they went and saw the number four starter look like Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> the number four starter. Yeah. You know, but we can handle him. In fact, it's fun to watch him dominate. But you just don't want a slew of that. So I, it seems like they're kind of making a big deal about it, and I'm not sure it's worthy to be made a big deal about. Well, I think the discussion that we were having a few weeks ago when there were some pitching stats that were blowing well, there was us a bunch all of no-hitters. Right. And Every other day no somebody's throwing a no-hitter. So hitter. do you have to lower the mound or move the mound back? And maybe what you have to do is make sure the pitchers don't have such an awesome grip and such an awesome... Spin rate. Man, Hannah's got colorful slacks on, doesn't she? Wow. That's a floral <laughs> print right there. It's summer. 
Good for her. I yeah. like it. It's like a Hawaiian shirt only in pants. Yeah. And I she's like talking it. Trey Young. Yeah. Because Trey Young is going crazy. And the storm we're talking about. I actually like that. Looks cool. All right, so the uh, the other baseball scores here, you uh, the Giants continue to shock and amaze. They beat the Angels. Trade, it was 1-1. They go extra innings. They trade runs in the 12th. And then the Giants go for 7 in the 13th. Just outlast Otani. They couldn't hit him. They just wait until he's gone. And then get into the bullpen eventually. As long as you have good pitching. Yeah, and they did. And eventually the Giants win. And they stretch their lead in the division because the second place Dodgers lose three in a row to the Padres. And the Padres win 5-3. to three. First time the Padres have swept a series from the Dodgers in eight years. But they're playing for second. The Giants are in charge for in now. the division. For now. Yes. And uh, the Pac-11 has no more representatives in the College World Series. It's over. Stanford. Say goodbye to Stanford. See how they lost? They're up one in the ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth. They're up one, so they're the visiting team, obviously, against Vanderbilt. Two outs, nobody on. And they end up losing on a wild pitch. Don't! Oh, man, that was heartbreaking for the Cardinal. And so the Pac-11 had sent two teams. Because Colorado does not play baseball for some stupid reason. Just on that alone, I wouldn't have invited Colorado. Yeah, they don't play baseball or softball. And that too hard for them to win, so they just bail on those sports. They're not winning. I uh, think baseball. I think it's probably money. Uh, but I mean, it's so too hard for them to win. Win what? What BYU and Utah winning? Good point. <laughs> but <laughs> what Utah Valley winning? <laughs> so I don't know. If it's too hard for them to win. I'm quitter. It's a quitter mentality, Sniggy. They ski. They win. So Stanford and Arizona went. Arizona, thankfully, went 0-2. And then uh, Stanford won a couple ball games, but they're done now. So who's going to win it now? Or you don't care? Uh, I don't really care. I'd go Virginia or Vanderbilt. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. I saw a lot of commitment. I saw a lot of energy. I saw a lot of fight. I saw a united group. Sometimes those games go away and some don't. And if we want to continue to grow as a team, we, we have to leave here with the point. That's where we want to grow to. This is the best team in MLS right now. The record shows it. And we competed, especially in the second half. So, you know, that's it. We take some things that we could have done better and not lose that focus in the final phase of it, of the game, and close it off or we leave here with the point. And that's it. We leave there and now it's all focus on Houston. That's it, Coach Freddie Juarez, after RSL loses in Seattle 2-1. to Late handball, penalty, and Seattle converts, and Seattle wins, and Seattle undefeated through their first 10 oh, games. That's kind of ironic of what Freddie's saying then, because it's soccer, so what you're saying is they didn't leave with the points. So they did not. They lost. It's pointless. Oh, well played. <laughs> it's true. Pointless. <laughs> Which, and I've always been criticized for thinking that. Yeah, and there it is. <laughs> Multiple meanings. And Pick so your finally, he, we were on the same page. <laughs> it took a while. A couple Arizona guys. Took a while, but yeah. you got there. Because I've always agreed with that. Yes, I thought it was pointless even before it started. I don't know that he's an Arizona guy. He's a New Mexico guy. I thought you told me he was from like Nogales. Las Cruces. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Las Cruces. And then he's got a little Texas. He went and played in El Paso, so. Well, yeah, where you play. I mean, yeah. 
Th- but yeah, I thought you said he was. No, he's Las Cruces. Okay, he's a Las Cruces guy. Well, that's down there. He worked he's in Arizona for a while. Down though. by the border, just a couple. Of, yeah, it's not far. Not far. A few far. miles to the left. Uh, you know what's, what's crazy, man? Is their stadium looks exactly like the Seahawks stadium? Yeah, there's a reason for that. What? It is the Seahawks. Stadium. Oh. <laughs> no, I thought that handball. Certainly, I agree with Dunny. That was very, very questionable. I didn't see where there was any type of advantage gained. That is. The uh, was it deliberate? No, was there an advantage gained? I mean, he made himself bigger. His hand was away from the body, but the ball's going away from goal. There's no. It's going to pass the player who can score, and he knew nothing about it. It went off the sounder player, off his chest, and I don't care about arm. the advantage because, or excuse me, I don't care about the deliberate. Because a lot of fouls aren't deliberate, but yet they're still fouls. Yep, yep. So I look at it advantage. You know, it's like uh, you're gonna call something over the back when the ball went out of that team that you would call over the back on. So the mm-hmm. offensive team's gonna get the ball anyway. So why slow the game down? Right. On a ticky tack potential over the back call to relate it to basketball. And Dunny won't tell me, uh, which is just as well, won't tell me which uh, referee he's texting with, and he texts with multiple referees that he knows, but one of them said, one of them texted back, not a handball for me. It was clearly in the gray judgment area. It was I don't know enough about the, the rules of the game. By the letter of the law, it was a handball, but by the spirit, Although the Seattle guy did immediately point it out. Oh, yeah. Of course. So he saw it. Right. But the Seattle guy also tried to handle the ball twice. Once he did, once he didn't. And he did get a yellow card for it. It was Rudy Diaz. Oh, but yellow there was cards. A, I mean, I felt like I was at a taxi cab a, fair. Yellow cards are being handed out left and there right. There was a corner he was considering batting away. He had his arm up above his head. And, yeah, it's too obvious. I'm not going to do it. He scored <laughs> a goal with his hand. He did. Why, why did your guy just did. dive to the right on a little pooch kick? Relax. Because he was guessing. Well, hold on. <laughs> He guessed way too early. But you got to guess. That's how. But not the, that early. The Seattle keeper guessed, and he didn't guess quite early enough. He actually I go goalie, so I don't say keeper. I just don't Okay, have, he got a hand. Nor do I say zero. Uh, Stephen n- Cleveland got a hand or on Albert Rusnak's penalty. I speak American. The pitch. <laughs> he's a goalie. He's, he's, I speak American. I proudly speak American. Yes, he's a goalie. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us 8.30 or 9 o'clock, right in that range. And Craig Bowlerjack will stop by as well. And we will talk with them about the end of the jazz season. PK, have you heard a little hype lately? Oh, yeah, it's all over the place. All right. We will, on. We will get to that. It's and you like can add a in, blue check. You can add in your hype. Pile on the hype. That crap, I don't have a blue check. We'll do it next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke, you've had a few days now to munch on how the season ended for the Jazz. What's the biggest reason why? The Clippers figured out how to play us without Mike Conley with a somewhat limited Donovan Mitchell, and we never figured out how to play without Mike Conley. I know we were 16-5 and five without Mike Conley in the regular season, but we weren't playing teams multiple nights in a row. and We did figure out how to play offensively without Mike Conley. We never figured out how to defend without Rudy Gobert being the centerpiece of what we were doing. If we're really honest about it, that was a season-long issue, trying to see if they could come up with an answer for that, and evidently never found that answer. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
Hot Takes of Toast is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury hasn't. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac today. Hype, PK. Comparisons is driving you nuts. Steve Kerr says Kevin Durant is more gifted than Michael Jordan. How can that be? It's impossible. Why it says it's because KD is seven feet tall and can play all possessions. Positions. E- positions, yes. Even with that, Jordan is Jordan. What positions? So what? More, he can just shoot over anybody, even people who defend him, who are right up on him. Shoots right over him. Who's blocking MJ's shot? It's like... Uh, Not blocking, but contesting. As long as it goes in, what difference does it make? If that's that big of a deal, then I can... Sign uh, Bobob uh, Maranovic, whoever you say his name. Come on, this is, game game isn't about height exclusively. If it would be, Felton Spencer's jersey would be retired. Kyle says he's five inches taller. The end. end Shane says physically maybe the end of comparisons. No way. Shane says physically, maybe, but mentally, not a chance. And is that a gift? Is what a gift? The mental toughness. We don't normally view that, certainly as a physical gift, but is it time we should? Is that a trait? That's a trait you want. Is it a gift? Can it be acquired? Because to me, Mitchell is a shorty NBA standards. But he has that mental toughness. And how does he have it versus somebody else who doesn't have it? Why does one player, person, have it and somebody else doesn't? How can Trey Young have the proverbial can't throw the ball in the ocean for three and a half quarters on Sunday in an elimination game on the road against the number one seed? And then make the big shots. Yeah. Huge three. What's going on there that allows Trey Young to flourish on a completely and totally off night by virtually any standards, by anyone, but yet finds ways to make the biggest buckets of the game? So mental toughness, wouldn't you want that over some other gifts? Height? Trey Young has no height? Nope, he doesn't. And yes, you would. But it's really hard to identify it and measure okay. it, or otherwise these guys wouldn't fall in the draft. But we know, well, he went fifth. It's not that outrageous. But we know that Jordan had it. Mm-hmm. And so how can Kerr say that? And nothing against Durant. But I'm not putting him anywhere close. Close to Michael Jordan. Yeah. And normally I would say, well, that's because Kerr, you know, he coached him and whatnot. So he's seen him every day. It's like the Pace Mannion theory the other day when we were talking Mm -hmm. to him when he said, I would vote Draymond Green for Defensive Player of the Year. And I thought, of course you would, because you've been watching because of your son. You've been watching the games and you see him. You see all the little things, the non-box scorable things that show up. Mm -hmm. So I get exactly why Pace would say that because he's seen the man play 
literally probably, well, they didn't play 82, but he probably saw 70 games this year or whatnot. And so he's in love with Draymond Green, where we see all of Gobert, so we're in love with Gobert. So I get exactly where Pace was coming from. If if the roles were reversed and we were following the Warriors, I'd probably think Draymond Green should get it because I'm watching him all the time. But then I realized, well, wait a second, Kerr played all those years with Jordan. He saw him. I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense to me. How could you say has, has Durant shown the mental toughness and maybe the bar is just extremely too high and it's unfair to anybody. Now you're getting there. But yet he <laughs> says he's more gifted. So Kerr's not getting there. So maybe what Kerr is getting at, and I don't know because I didn't hear the context of the well, conversation, can, how it started it's and all on that. the internet. But you let's, can hear it. So what he's getting at then is, can you imagine what Jordan would have done if he was seven feet tall and had that wingspan? No, because he already did it. But he might he might have had ten. Oh, that's like you with the Donovan Mitchell. If he had half of a toe, he would have scored 30, uh, 42 40, points. Right. But 39, 9, and 9. No, I disagree. I don't think he would have. I don't think Jordan would have done anymore. He did what he did. And that's what he needed to do. So there was no reason to do anymore. There I wasn't. think if Jordan could have won a 7th or 8th, he would have won a 7th or 8th. And if he could have won a ninth or a tenth, he would have won a ninth or a tenth. But to get the ninth or the tenth, he, he needed would have to be, had to be more physically gifted. If Jordan more could physically shoot, gifted? Yeah, if Jordan were seven feet and could shoot over people, you don't think he'd be even if better? If Bill Gates had more money, he'd be richer. True story. <laughs> Come That's on. what Bezo says. That's ridiculous, though. No, I don't. I disagree on that. He did what he needed to do. He wasn't... Height wasn't going to give him titles early on because that's the time he didn't win. Once he hit his groove, he won all the time. Once some of the guys around him hit the groove, but the guys around him, no, I think it was him too. That we know the story of Jackson having to get him to find a way to defer Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So he wasn't mature enough game-wise to understand, and certainly the players around him had him to get better, and, and I know he and we, we say, well, he's got the right coach, and all the Jazz fans hate Phil Jackson, so they're going to go nuts on that. <laughs> uh, I, I get that, but nevertheless, uh, the Bulls didn't win before Jackson got there, and the Lakers didn't win before Jackson got there, so I got to give the guy some kind of credit here, uh, and not just he didn't just roll out the balls. He may not be in Mr. X and O, but coaching is just about the widest scope of definition that there is out there in any occupation as virtually any management position is you're management and you end up being a counselor uh, because uh, you're dealing with people and their individual personalities and problems and all that stuff that comes with that so you're hired to be an accountant but if you're the manager of the accountants you end up being a whole lot more than an accountant whatever whatever it might be so I, I don't think Jordan was prepared I don't think Another three or four inches or five inches to Jordan's height would have meant any difference. I just don't think he was ready to win at that point. And once he was ready to win, he literally did not. He never lost. MJ could fly, Garrett says. Hence his nickname, Air Jordan. That's a gift KD doesn't out of the have. Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Doug says Steve smoking crack. Crack? No, I don't think he's that deep into it. I think he's more of a. Of a Caruso kind of guy. Tony says, my team was beat out of the play-in game of the playoffs. How do I stay relevant? Drop some poop emoji comment about MJ. MJ was 6 for 6 in the finals. KD is not the end. Amen. 
Six for six. That's a great day in any baseball game. <laughs> it's an extra <laughs> inning game. Or one of those twenty three to twenty three to three beatings. You're battering the them, yeah. Six for six, yeah. Mike says Kerr is high. A lot. Well, he can't criticize the president now. So to get his name out there, he can't do that. So I guess maybe there's something to it. I don't bat it. I don't know the context. I think he was asked a question or maybe I'm not sure. But I gotta admit, man, both eyebrows went shooting through the roof. Corey says that's an interesting take. It's wrong, but it's interesting. Okay, I can agree on both of that, those accounts. I'm okay with that. Co- Cody just gives it a hard no. Hard no, all caps. Just a hard no, huh? MJ's MJ. And he says if hard you're, too? If you're, yeah, if you're of the generation that saw MJ, it's hard to compare anybody to that guy. But Kerr did. I know, and he played with him. So he's the one doing it. <clears throat> What so a, that's a compliment to Durant, or it's a shot at Durant, because if you've well, got more physical gifts and you don't have as many championships, what the heck? As Charles Barkley would say, first of all, if I'm Kerr, I never see MJ again, because he don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some speech he's going to be giving in the near future. <laughs> he's looking at an iPad laughing right now. And he's going to go <laughs> and bring this up somewhere along the line, man, because he... Retirement speech, he's calling out Brian Russell. I thought it was ridiculous, but I guess that's what made him what what he was. So now his own teammate, who he made him a hero and gave him all the celebrity and fame, uh, and now you're saying that. Yeah, he crossed the line. If I'm, if I'm David Stern, I slap a penalty on him from the great beyond. <laughs> Let's go to Jeff. Jeff's on the phone. Jeff, good morning. Morning, guys. How hey, you guys doing? Good, hey, Jeff. So, it's just a funny little comment. So, I actually agree with PK. I think uh, his comment was real ridiculous. Trying to compare Jordan and uh, Durant, just like they're completely different eras. You know, nowadays you have better diet, better analytics. You can analyze things so much more. The training is completely different. What MJ did in his time, you can't compare it. It's completely different. It's like trying to say that. You know, for A-Rod is just as great as, you know, the great Bambino. So for me, like, comparing different eras, it's really tough to do. You can compare Kevin Durant to maybe LeBron James, but I think that comparing MJ to Kevin Durant is just out of this world. You can't compare him to, to MJ. He's, he's the GOAT of all yep. times. All right. Thanks for the call. That's one guy with common sense. Where are the rest of you, Stan? 855-340-ZONE. We've got to take a break here. Now, you've seen a rash of these. You're going to recount a few of them coming up. Can we compile a list? Do we have many of them? Oh, I bet you you do. You'll have some. I'll have some. Yaka will have some. All right. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
The Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah. Counting you down to the start of the college football season, it's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union, Icon Health and Fitness, and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Comparisons, PK. Outrageous, realistic, parallels. Trey Young's the next Steph Curry. Yeah, well, Luka Doncic is the next Larry Bird. I don't like it, but I've heard it. I don't see it. I see Larry on the wing. Luca's at the top of the key. Yeah, I don't see it. I think you, you it, once you say you're the next, that means you have to play the position. Who did I hear? I'm in our guy, uh, Mr. Smith. What's the A stand for? Anybody know? Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. I've seen some suggestions that we cannot say on air. Oh, you're going bleep bleep. Yes. Yeah, he's my hero, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> A beat writer who figured out TV. Yeah, by yelling and screaming, loudmouth. Yeah. Being a loudmouth can pay off. It doesn't pay off for all of us, but for some of us it can. Not to the level that he has, but I'm, I'm doing okay myself. Uh, I heard him say Booker, Devin Booker's an ex-Kobe. The next Kobe. In terms of being an ultimate BA at that position, you know, the wing player who can play, you know, if you need him to play point, fine. If you need him to play two, fine. If you need him to play three, fine. And probably four, you know, doesn't have the height, but to play five. But. You know, certainly is just a tremendous, tremendous all-around player. I put MJ1 and Kobe 2. And and just would tear your heart out. Forget about beating your grandmother in checkers. LeBron fans are waiting to find out what number you're going to give him. That's no slight on him. But for me, it's it's Jordan and Kobe. Yeah. And the attitude. Just... Focused on everything. I mean, to an extent, and I know LeBron's a lightning rod, and I appreciate it because he's done some good stuff, and I know for others it's totally turned you off. When he comes out and tweets, you know, when I leave my mansion in Beverly Hills, I'm, I'm literally hunted every day by the cops. No, I mean, no, you're not. You know, you just aren't. Maybe you were making a point. And so I appreciate you, even if I disagree... I, and that's just me. I appreciate people. Uh, first of all, they certainly have the right to say it, and, and that's what we're about here. Whether you agree with it or not, it's up to you. But I wonder, the point I'm making is when it was time to play basketball, MJ and Kobe, were they just so focused that they didn't even know what was going on around them? Because it certainly isn't, well, all the stuff that happened last summer, it's not brand new. You know, man. MJ was in the league on the Rodney King thing, wasn't he? I think he was, yeah. Yeah, he would have yeah. been, absolutely. Right. So I wonder, and I'm just kind of talking here, so I don't even know if it's true, but I wonder those guys, you didn't hear as much of that from them because they were so focused, and I wonder how much that takes away from LeBron. Maybe it doesn't take away at all. I don't know. Did all that in the bubble and still won the title, so I don't know that it took away that much. 
I would think the difference with LeBron, in LeBron's prime, now he was setting up super teams, so maybe that's the difference. But in his prime, Kobe, after Shaq, before Gasol, they were an eight seed. In his prime. And And so if I'm looking for a separator between LeBron and Kobe, now in his prime, you know, (laughs) LeBron decided to go with ultra-short contracts and basically be the team's GM and coach himself. Yeah, I, I'd take Kobe on my team anytime in his prime. I don't, well, sure, I don't but we're deciding behind two. We're, deci- we're deciding between two and three behind Jordan, so we're splitting hairs here. I'm taking Kobe. Yeah, I'm, if I'm going to make a comparison, and I view LeBron uh, uh, as a different player than those two anyway. <laughs> we just got a great comparison. Go ahead. PK is more gifted than Skip Bayless. Time to go national, baby. <laughs> you are underrated and underappreciated. You got to go national, PK. Well, I'm not going to go national. Uh, for I could probably do it now, but there was a certain period of time where I literally couldn't move out of state for personal reasons. It just it, I couldn't do it. I literally could not do it. Uh, now I could, but now we're so far along in the game. Yeah. And I've never been one of these grass is greener guys. You know, what if, what if this, what if that? I try to look at my spot and see the spot that I'm in. How can I make that best, the best spot that it can be? And for 19 years, I've done that. And let's face it, man, it, it, there's not all sorts of people who could work with me and you're the guy. <laughs> so why change that? You know what I mean? Why mess that up? Got a good thing going. No, it's a great thing. And it's, uh, well, I was, I was quoting Dave Rose. Got well, a good okay. thing going yeah. here. Don't mess it up. He said that at the end of one interview. And at that point we, uh, I know which studio we were in when he said it. because I can see the moment he said it and thinking <laughs> Dave Rose is funny and he's right. <laughs> and we were probably six or seven years in at that point. Yeah, I get that the the Bayless and the Stephen A. thing. My, I get they're taking it to the highest level. I get both people throw me in that category. Both former writers. I mean, I'm bombastic. Yeah, I can be. Although I think it's overrated. I don't think I am. I think the reputation actually is greater than the actual actuality. And it's a little older. You were more bombastic when you were younger. You are less uh, bombastic now. If the situation calls for it, though, as far as the Jazz go, you know, I was embarrassed for him the other night. I'm not going to just, oh, it wasn't Rudy's fault. It wasn't Quinn's fault. It wasn't, it was everybody's fault. Yeah. You win as a team, you lose as a team. And I've got no problem saying that. And if that's going to cause harm, so be it. But I don't think it's going to cause harm because I think most people are aware of the truth and they want it to be said. And uh, if you don't, then people you know, are going to click the, the button. The interesting thing is that if you're saying the truth, if you're saying it to be outrageous, then the people on the inside, players, coaches, GMs, athletic directors, you know, whoever called your pro. But a lot of times there are people who will tell you the truth because they want you to say the truth because they want the truth out there, but they can't say it themselves because of their job. And so they appreciate that more than the, oh, well, you tried hard, and that was pretty good. You're like, no! <laughs> we should have done better. Dang it! Yeah, I mean, and, and I think you could think right now, 
and we got to go to break. I know, but right now, you, I'll bet you could think Utah basketball, BYU basketball, Utah football, BYU football, Jazz, Aggie football, Aggie basketball. You could think of an example for every one of those. Sure, we've yeah, been, been doing it long enough. There's been that moment where, well, you don't want to say it because it hurts so bad, but it's the truth. And people on the inside, coaches, players, GMs, they really do want the truth said. Because if you don't address where it really went wrong, how do you fix it? Yeah, well said. I think that uh, most of the time, uh, as I've progressed along this thing that we do, I think most folks understand they determine to an extent what you say. I mean, if the Jazz are playing up 2-0 in the Western Conference Finals, no one's crying to blues. But when you blow a 25-point lead and you allow Terrence Mann to score 39 points, I mean, what the crap? What am I supposed to say? Way to go, guys. You tried hard? No, they don't want that. So they actually determine what is being said, not me. You just sit there and watch the games. You take a few notes and you show up and this is what I saw. Because everybody else who saw the game saw the same thing. And that that's what they want to hear too. And most of the time when they lose, they don't even turn, tune in. <laughs> they just want to hear when things are good. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> so, Should have seen the ratings yeah. for all the weekend sports shows after the Jazz got eliminated. Yeah. People didn't want to delve into it. Yeah, <laughs> They didn't want to delve into it. And it, there's nothing better than a Saturday in the college football season when everybody wins and nobody's oh, yeah. playing at 830. Because 830 goes right through the show. Uh-huh. But, man, if you if you win at, at noon or one or five or six or whatever, yeah, we could go today. everybody wants to revel oh, in We could go today. We're down at BYU Media Day, and there was a, a person there that I, I tapped on the shoulder and said, hello, you know the guy. And that was the night before they had lost game five at home here, right? And the guy says to me, man, I listen to you every morning, but I just couldn't bring myself to today. <laughs> right. On his drive from wherever he yeah. lived down to BYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was a devastating loss. Yeah. So you got to, as long as you speak the truth and, you're, and have fun with it, everything's cool. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So Steve Kerr says Kevin Durant's more gifted than Michael Jordan. Got some more comparisons out there. There's some more, uh, there's some more parallels to be drawn, even if they're only you know 70% true because MJ is MJ. All right, we'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Steve Kerr saying Durant more gifted than Jordan. Didn't say he's a bigger winner, better champion, but more gifted. Got some more analogies and comparisons. I mean, the one we've heard over and over here, Donovan Mitchell's the next Dwayne Wade. Draft night comparisons. They all come back to the forefront as Wade buys a minority share of the ownership of the Jazz. That's a high bar. Dwayne Wade was an outstanding player, no question about that. Hall of Fame player. Everyone will agree with that. Great, great player. By his third year, he was an established NBA star. Mitchell, uh, in his fourth year. But Dwayne played longer in college. So maybe that make a difference, if I remember correctly. Dwayne went three years. That's what I remember. I didn't look it up, but I remember him going three, yes. So they're basically the same age. But I and think Mitchell's an established star at this he point. He is now. What I think is absolutely awesome, and it'll go down in jazz lore, 
as one of the greatest decisions, not just to draft them or trade for them on draft day, but basically giving him the keys as just a young pup, knowing they obviously knew that there would be tremendous payoff. So we'll have a little growing pain here. And the growing pain was not that long. They were winning a playoff series his rookie year. But to be able to see that and then go ahead and make the trade and then actually do it, uh, whoever made that decision, if it was a joint decision, was just absolutely brilliant. And that is... Why, if you own a team, you let the guys that you hire do what they're supposed to do. And obviously the Millers owned the team at the time, and they allowed that to happen. It's just stunning. Whereas Dwayne Wade played an extra year, uh, and by his third year, he was off and running. His first two were okay if you look at the stats. But by his third year, he was certainly an established star. So you could see the parallels there. Wade was an all-star his second year in the league. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. But his third year, if I remember looking at his Took stats. Took another step, is, yeah. yeah. It went from 16 points a game to 24 to 27. Yeah, and then he was off and running. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, this guy's a big-time player. So I can see that. How about our guy Stephen Smith saying that already, already, Donovan Mitchell is the best player in Jazz franchise history? Better just, than the statue. I just can't. I just can't say you're now the best player in history after four seasons. Like to be the best, you have to be the best over a longer period of time. Now expect he's going to be awesome over that period of time. But can you? Can you? Is there any athlete who you can say after four years has topped someone who's had a Hall of Fame career that went? Over 15, I mean, in the case of statues, we're not to 18, 19, 20. But that whole thing we talk about in pro sports, if you do it for 10 years, you've had a great career, even if you're a journeyman and you bounce to seven teams, to last in the NBA or in Major League Baseball for 10 years is incredible. So if you're a Hall of Famer who's dominating over 15 or more years, how do we compare anyone who's only put four in the books? Well, it's been Which, done by before. the way, isn't Stephen A. Smith's job, and I get that. I mean, his job is to put the provocative take out there. And Mitchell's done enough to well, put a provocative true. take. You can't see the, the provocative take, yes, but it just can't be a provocative take for the sake of that because I agree. there's zero credibility and, behind it. And it's not because you got a guy who's, you were quoting his scoring average in the playoffs, it's off the charts. I, I, from a graphic, I think it was third. I mean, it, was, yeah. yeah like I mean, it was. So what he's doing is spectacular. I just don't know. That at the end of the day, you can compare someone who's done four years with someone who's done literally four times Okay, but they say, and we didn't see him play, but they say Sandy Koufax belongs as the greatest. Right, and he had six years at the top of the sport. Now he had 10 or 12 in it. But how do you compare that versus someone who dominated for a long period of time? Bob Gibson, right? Basically the same generation. Who dominated for a long stretch of time. But yet they do. I, I get it. So it's been done. I, to me, I put him right now as the most clutchiest. Got to hit a shot to send his team to the finals. I'll save you all a phone call right now. You're welcome.
I think he's very capable of doing that and would not surprise me in the least. I don't know that he'll do that. I hope he gets the opportunity. Uh, but, you know, the team's got to be there. Plus, you things got to break your way and the competition has to be beatable and all sorts of stuff that has to happen. Uh, but I, I still yeah. name me one player, one possession in franchises, certainly in, since the time I've been here, which is 93. Uh, who do I want taking that shot? If you want to go Stockton, I'm fine with it. But I'd go Mitchell. Give us more comparisons, people. Donovan Mitchell is Dwayne Wade. Steve Kerr with the Kevin Durant is more gifted. He didn't say better, but more gifted. So I don't think he is? Than Michael Jordan. Because I believe the intangible is a gift. It has to be because it's not prevalent in all players across any sport. It just isn't. I think sometimes you can identify it. I can recall early on, early on, I'm working for the Watchdog, covering BYU. Early on in his tenure, I said, that guy's going to be the best to ever play that position at BYU. And you, we all know who it is, and I think I'm right. Arujo? Don't be a Weisenheimer. <laughs> Sorry. That's my job. But it's fun. Dope. No. I said it early on. Alema can back me up because I've heard him talk about it. Come on. Who? No, guess. It's part of the fun. <laughs> Danny Ainge. It's not it's not even ba- it's not basketball. Oh. I didn't see Ainge early. <laughs> I on. know. See, I was just Actually, I never saw him. Just having fun. I saw him play in the I know you NBA. didn't live here then. This is the time that I said I identified this player, said he'll be the best ever to play this position at this institution. Luke Staley. No. Oh, really? But I got no problem with that. Ro- Robbie Bosco called that the day they signed him, holding a piece of paper in the lobby to the office there. This guy, this guy, they were all sorts of fired up about Luke Staley. He's tremendous. Yeah. He might be might be the best football player that I've ever seen play in his state. That's why you're saying the best guy at this position of the school. I but I didn't say it. Okay. I didn't say it, so I'd love to say I said it, but I didn't say it. If you want to say he's the best uh, running back they've ever had, I'm all for it a thousand times over. He was an absolute animal. He had every skill needed. The guy was incredible. Absolutely loved his game. I can, I can, and Utah's put a slew of running backs in the NFL, and I can say he was better did than you, every one of them. Did you pick the best BYU tight end? No. Because that's a debate. I don't know that that's Let's move it outside cut. a little bit more. Wide receiver. Yeah. Austin Collin. Yep. There it is. Yeah. yeah. When I looked at him, I mean, it was right from camp, his freshman year. You know, it's funny, though, when you talk about big Austin Collie plays, I always go to a special teams play. That's just where my brain defaults to. Not debating wide receiver, because obviously he made a bunch of great plays. But he, uh, he gets the Ute fans all sorts of riled up. And they're waiting for him at Rice Eccles. And I don't know if it was the opening kickoff or if Utah had scored and then they kicked to him. I don't think it was him. the opening kickoff. Yeah, maybe Utah had scored and then they kicked to yeah, him. Yeah, I think you go on his uh, 
uh, yeah. Instagram page, and he's got it. Oh yeah, and he has so this, he's showing it for his kids. He has this collie sucks, and he has this and big then he, return. He, and the whole stadium is on the crowd. It's in yeah. the north end zone, and a lot of bad things happen in the north end zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and apparently the day of the TCU game was an old timer. <laughs> and so he's egging him on and he and he comes up with a huge return. He comes up with a big return. Yeah. Yeah. And just the whole focus was on him. Just all the intensity. And, it, and if you watch it, he's over to his right communicating with O'Neill Chambers, and I think he's telling O'Neill, okay, I'm gonna take it this way, so you need to do this and that. And uh, as far as blocking, and if I remember, O'Neill Chambers was blocking his butt off running down the field. Yeah, Austin Colley was just a special, special player. And you know what's crazy? I'd heard, I I know people who are family of his uh, that, uh, and I think it was in the spring, they had a dog that they had for a long time named Bentley who died, and it was very emotional. And uh, just over a year and a half ago, we had a dog that died. It was named Bentley. And it was very emotional. Yes, it was. So we're like, we're practically cousins. And how about his brother sitting up there in Boise after the potato bowl saying, this guy's going to go down as one of the best, if not the best quarterback good of call. all time. Yes. That's a good call. And he ends up being yeah. the freaking second pick Picking in the, the draft. draft. <laughs> Winner! <laughs> Dylan Colley delivering it in Colley fashion. You doubt me? Well, you're a bleeping idiot. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is what it's going to be. And sure, he was great that game. We're speaking of Zach Wilson, obviously. I think he went 18 of 18. But to say it, and then two years later, he's the second pick in the draft. Dylan Colley putting it out there, and he was right. More comparisons, more analogies. I got a good one. Kyle Corver and Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> you like Mahomes as the new Brady? Because I don't. They play the position uh, totally differently. There's Kerr right behind you there talking about yep. it right now. Um it's the next Brady. You know, granted the position is different, but you look at the parameters. You know, phenomenal tight end, Hall of Fame coach. We'll see how it goes, how much the personnel for the Chiefs turns over versus what we've seen turning over for the Patriots. Now, that book's already been written, and we saw a slew of guys come through there. So many guys you'd, you'd need to look it up who've actually caught touchdown passes from him wearing a Patriots uniform. I mean, there's been so many guys that they've plugged in and have been, if not great, certainly extremely effective. So... Uh, Mahomes, football is the ultimate team game. So I sort of laugh on, well, you got three rings, you got four mm-hmm. rings, you only got one ring, right. blah, blah, blah. And you have no rings. Having, quarterbacks having great careers have one or two rings, but yeah. if their defense isn't up to up to par, if it isn't up to championship level, what are they supposed to do? And some Yahoo misses a kick. Right. 
so or somebody makes a kick for that matter. Uh, what's his face? The guy just retired makes the kick in the snow Adam against Vinatieri. the Raiders. Yeah, I mean that was great kick in that situation. You know when you look like wow that must be tough, and he does it. And so kicking a rock. Yeah, and Tom gets a ton of credit, and you know I'm not taking anything away from him, obviously, but football. I have a hard, a much harder time, and all these sports that we talk about are are definitely team games too. But football, to me, seems like it's the ultimate team game. Uh, to where, you know, I need everybody doing what they're supposed to do. On and and you're not even on the field half the time. You know, if the plays are divided mm-hmm. evenly, just basically speaking, so it's hard to see that. Uh, but at the same time, you can't discount greatness and we that's what we do we compare greatness to greatness and that's part of the fun of being a sports fan i think that uh, so much of the team element of this uh of all the things that happened in brady's career you know belichick was a good age so that he could be there through well not through the whole career because he went to tampa bay but you get the point they could have this long run together Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, basically 20 years. Well, if you get to Kansas City and Andy Reid is already 60-whatever, he's not going to be coaching when he's 80. So there's always going to be stuff you can't control. It's going to change you. You're uh, not going to have sure, a run with a coach like that. Maybe you can set it up like they did in San Francisco. And there's uh, a handoff. Walsh, Walsh didn't coach all that time, but yet they didn't miss a beat as, as far as that go when Seifert took over and they were still going pretty good there. And then one... Won, won it all with, with the new coach, but it was essentially the same. The same system, a lot of the same players and whatnot. And yeah, timing matters. I, my belief, and maybe this is a homer call, I believe, and Joe Montana was absolutely awesome, but I believe Steve Young could have won just as much if the roles were reversed. Well, back to team comparisons. I guarantee he would have won two of those four Super Bowls Montana won. And you could say, well, Young only won one. Guaranteed. No doubt. Look at how dominant those Niner teams were. Now, a couple of those teams squeaked it out. Could another quarterback have stepped in there? But whether it was Young or it was Elway or it was Marino, who never got one, a couple of those Niner teams were off the charts good. And if you'd had any elite Hall of Fame quarterback, they would have won the title. So there's non-elite Hall of Fame quarterbacks? I was repeating myself. Okay. redundant. <laughs> Okay. I, I don't think you have not, to be a Hall of Famer, I guess. I, 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 I get your point. An elite quarterback would have, because we've seen a bunch of Super Bowls won by teams who, you know, their quarterback, I mean, he's a nice player, but nobody talks about him as a Hall of Famer. Sure. And Doesn't conversely, I think Joe beats season. the Chargers. Yes. Yeah. The margin. Yeah. Well, the trick there would have been beating the Cowboys, Cowboys. in the NFC. And I think Joe game. beats the Cowboys. Yeah. So it's yeah. reverse. Right. I, I think they were on par. They were different style yeah. of players. But I think they were certainly absolutely great in their own right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. When we come back, Craig Bolajak putting a wrap on the season, looking ahead to the NBA playoffs, draft, and free agency. What's going to happen with Mike Conley? We'll talk about all of that with Craig Bolajak next. Joe Ingles is coming up at 9 o'clock. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Ben Anderson of KSL Sports. I'm sure the front office has to ask themselves if we're healthy, are we better than the Clippers and should we try to run it back or is it time to be a little bit more aggressive in how we build this roster? You have to rely on the successes you did have, which is you just had arguably the best regular season the team has ever had and you outperformed everybody else during the regular season and I get it was a weird year, but you were still legitimately very good on both sides of the ball, top five on offense, top five on defense. So I think there's a lot of value there and you have to understand what those strengths were and why they worked and I think abandoning that would be silly. At the same point, you can't look at what happened in the postseason and say, yeah, but everything's fine, so let's just run it back. I do think there have to be minor tweaks, but I don't think it's a major overhaul the way I think some Jazz fans wanted with the taste that was left in their mouth with that early exit. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. PK, we got a tweet about the jazz that's out that's got... uh, as people see it and as it's spread, and it's going to, um, it's going to get everybody's attention here. And we got Bowler coming up, so we'll hit it with Bowler here. All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Smart Rain, the Smart Rain guest line. Craig Bowlerjack joins us on the Smart Rain guest line right now. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Craig Bowlerjack, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Bowler, we got a tweet we got to talk about and about the future of the Jazz. Um, do you want one moment for the past of the Jazz, or is it too painful and you just like to let it go and you don't want to talk about 81 <laughs> points in the second half of Game 6? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we can do whatever you like. I've relived that multiple times, uh, you know, sitting there at the watch party thinking, hey, 25-point lead, but in the back of my mind going, still not safe. I mean, that's the crazy thing about the league, about the NBA, is um, – I, I think even in these playoffs, guys, we, we've seen that no lead is safe. We've seen some miraculous comebacks, uh, one by uh, the Clippers uh, and, of course, Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I used to think 25 was a pretty good lead, a, a fairly strong indication of victory, but no more. No more. Well, I can't argue with that because it happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did happen. And, you know, it's just a, the power of the three. Uh, Terrence Mann, who had his 15 minutes of fame, a 39-point performance, just kicking threes from the corner. And, you know, defending. Gobert's been criticized, trying to protect paint rim, jumping out to the perimeter when, when teams like the uh, like the Clippers go small, which they did the entire series, except a little bit of Zubats, you know, sprinkled in here and there. Yeah, they, they, they attacked the Jazz in multiple ways, and, you know, give them credit. Uh, I like to have seen the Jazz, though, honestly, as was, I'm just looking back here for a moment. A healthy Jazz. I really would have loved to have seen what they could have done with Conley and Donovan in the backcourt. Um, you know, even against the Clippers, and uh, they could have swept maybe Memphis, but again, it was it is you know it is what it is, and the Jazz will have to make some decisions on what direction they want to go. 
Conley there, I think, is right at the top of the list. I, I believe that they'll want him to stay. The price has got to be right. Uh, and if that's the case, and I, yeah. I believe that Conley would want to stay. I would think. You know, I, GK, I kind of delved into body language a little bit. I always like to do that this time of year when they go on their exit interviews or when they were available this year. It was kind of different. You know, some talk from their kitchen like Joe did, some talk from their car uh, to the press the day after. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jazz can do financially, right? And I tell you, it's kind of an unpredictable summer because we've never uh, had to watch Ryan Smith in his ownership group make, you know, financial decisions on players, which direction they want to go. And what is Mike's worth, PK? I, that's what I don't know. Um, if and I know analytically – I'm sure there's numbers everywhere in the league, and especially the Jazz, but age would be part of the analytics. Uh, the injuries that he's occurred the last couple of years would be, would be part of that as well. And then the money that would go with that and trying to predict how many games could he actually play for the Jazz um, because this isn't going away, I don't think, the hamstring problem and the age of 34. I mean, those things just happen to players – uh, and Mike's in that 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 process right now of his career. So those are all things, I guess. I'm not, you know, they hire a lot of people to, to make those decisions. And sometimes you roll the dice, too, I think. Um, Mike's a great fit and a great leader, and he compliments, you know, what Donovan's trying to do when they're healthy. They're dynamic. But, again, I think the bottom line is they have to go through the process of, value for games and what the market value is and obviously there's uh, they they've got guys who do a, a great job on, on deciding some of those things but also you got to roll the dice and you got to go gut and that's kind of part of the, the business that you, you look in analytics but you still have to look i think sometimes um the gut feeling that goes along with that so there's mike's part of the equation here and we can go round and round and debate this but does he want to stay in Utah? I take him at face value. I think he's genuine. He says he's, you know, he's liked his time here, likes his coach and his teammates and all that kind of stuff. Right. He wants to win a championship. That's also clear. So as he evaluates not just what rosters are now, but what he thinks rosters are going to be next year. And sometimes as a player, you got to roll the dice. You know, is this team going to acquire this guy? Is this guy going to leave and open playing time and shots for me? Or is this guy going to leave and weaken the team? And so he's mm-hmm. got to all that. But we know who the best teams are, Suns, Lakers, Clippers. You know, does he think the Warriors can be part of a rebuild there? Uh, who does he like in the East? Does he think Utah's his best chance to win a championship? And then when I throw out some of these teams, PK's like, well, he's got a young family. Is he really going to go to L.A.? You know, where game day... And if you don't have a helicopter, <laughs> it's like <laughs> game day's an all-day experience. You don't run home after right. shoot-around to see the kids after school. You know, it's not happening. It's just a different lifestyle there. So yeah, do you have but, any feel for what Mike wants? Because if he's willing to take less money, I think we're all pretty sure there'd be some good teams who'd be interested in him. Yeah. No, see, that's it, too. I think you have to see in his mind, if we could, what he is role, what he would be accepting of his role, like Derek Favors. Once a starter, and then you come back and declare yourself, okay, I get it. Uh, I know who I am, where I am in my career, and do I want to be a backup you know, guard and take less money for it? And to your point, DJ, do I pick a team that can finally give, like a lot of the guys, right? I mean, look, at you know, uh, Blake Griffin. I mean, he 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 gets out of Detroit. 
says he can't jump in the first play he's in with the Brooklyn. You know, he's up jamming, you know, jamming points down right. to the net. I mean, bottom line is, what's Mike's health? What's his mental state? Does he accept the role of coming off a bench, either either with the Jazz potentially, um, or with another team, and understands what the payroll will be for him because he's coming off what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Jazz pick up two years, sixty four million? Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, thirty two million a year in that category. He may have had thirty four this year. Maybe it bumped up uh, a couple million in the final year of his contract. So. Yeah, he has decisions too to make, right? So do the Jazz, and can they? Can the two sides speak and be honest about what each other needs? And you know, trying to build more, I think, depth, and him running a second unit or blending with the first group and the second. I mean, all those things come into play. Or is he at a point in his career where he wants to jump and try working with LeBron and the Lakers for one final push there in L.A.? Um, and, and again, find his best opportunity for for a title. Look, he's an all star, but also the problem is he's he the league knows he's been off injured, and so those two don't really you know blend well for some GMs. But the Jazz know who he is, and he knows who the Jazz are. And I think that's the one up that that Utah has uh, on retaining Conley. Um, but again, it's it's going to be a tough decision. Sometimes though, what your point is, and maybe it isn't because. Young kids, young family, how easy is it just to get around in Utah? And he goes to school, if I'm not mistaken, with what, uh, Joe's kids? That's what Joe said. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a bond there. And, you know, you do think about young young children at 34 and what you're trying to do and accomplish. But at the same time, you know you're at the, the end of your career beginning to, to, you know, see the sunset on it. So you, this may be his final contract, so he's he's probably taking that into into a consideration as well. But you know, heck of a guy, and when he's healthy, he still has a, a lot a lot of talent on the floor, as we saw. So I'm fascinated by the Ryan Smith situation. You know, he takes over and he runs a multi-billion dollar company. So obviously he's got the high level of intelligence and the, he takes over and the thing's a machine. It's running on its own and you're not, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot until the off seasons. That's when you make your major moves. And so here we are. Yeah. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my question is to you, but all I know is that I'm intrigued. Me too. I mean, PK, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think, you know, we were so used to knowing, kind of predicting what the Miller family would do. They were going to always be aggressive. I think Dennis quoted multiple times in the offseason, the Millers, you know, tell me to do the best move, and if it costs a few extra bucks, do it. Now, I don't, I don't know. I'm intrigued too. I don't know what Ryan's, you know, business uh, operation mindset is with the Jazz. I do know that he wants to win a championship. I mean, I, I think we've seen the aggressive approach in building a base of ownership uh, that includes Dwayne Wade, which I think was a shock, but also a huge move by Ryan. And then um, what is Dwayne Wade? That's the intriguing part. How involved? We saw him sitting courtside you know, shoulder to shoulder with Ryan uh, during the playoffs and even during the regular season, and how involved is D Wade in, in some of these decisions or consulting Ryan on some of the decisions that that need to be made to win a championship? Because guess who knows how to win one? Wade. So 
you're right. It's intriguing. It's the first off season with uh, with Ryan and his family and the ownership group, and we'll see how aggressive in spending because he's got two high level players that he already has under uh, large near multi what do you call it or max contracts, and to add more to that to that salary obviously pushes him closer and over. Uh, the luxury tax. So it's, it will be interesting to see what direction he wants to go. So I don't know if you know Clevis Murray. I've been looking him up just in the last 10 minutes because he's put out a tweet that will be of interest to jazz fans. And he writes as a contributor for The Athletic, from what I can find online in a quick search here. Looks like he used to work up in the Pacific Northwest um, for a cable outlet up there. Uh, and he's got a lot of NBA tweets. Um, and the location on his account is, uh, let's see here, he's got uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts, so basically suburban Boston. Here's his tweet, Bowler. I'm told there's a disconnect in the relationship between Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder. There's been some belief Lindsay could depart from the team. Snyder signed a long-term contract extension with the Jazz in 2019. There has been... No shortage of people with ties to BYU. And Ryan Smith obviously has ties to BYU. But apparently among people who are in the athletic world in Provo, uh, that Ryan is really tight with Danny Ainge and with Brian Santiago. And one way or another, in one role or another, those two guys at some point will be involved with the Jazz. Mm -hmm. Now, to PK's point, is that this offseason? Is that next offseason? I mean, we know... When Gail Miller was up there at the press conference, you know, Ryan, you're at the point we were when we bought the team. So there's a long time for this to play out. And no one has given me specific times on it. But multiple times they said these two guys are too tight with Ryan not to be involved with the Jazz at some point. Mm-hmm. So you hear yeah. this tweet and yeah. you hear whatever you hear inside the Jazz organization. And for people who don't know, Bowler used to be at KSL and used to call BYU games and still knows people at BYU. What have you heard? What do you think? What do you know? Those may not be the same things. I get that. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said is an indicator that what Ryan wants to do, it's his team. And I think we all know, Right, and our experiences in mine at KSL and CBS and Fox and ESPN, when management changes, the guys who hired me, they come and go. Um, and that was really evident, you know, at CBS and Fox. And so we always were worried about, well, the next guy comes in, brings in, quote, as we all know, PK, their guy or his guy. Or maybe, again, they have in our world that is ever-changing, uh, you know, a woman in an executive position, right? Ryan wants to be very diverse. Uh, I think that's very clear. So those conversations don't surprise me, DJ, at all. Um, he is close uh, to the BYU sports world, and it's his, it's, his, it's his team. And, you know, I think everyone braces for change. And that is something I wouldn't be surprised happens, whether it's this year, as you said, or next. I don't think he's a guy that owns a multi-billion dollar company, makes really snap quick decisions unless he, you know, has the information in front of him. Um, so that, again, will be, be another part of this whole puzzle, This, as PK just said, the intrigue of how he operates 
and who he wants in certain places and if he will make change. I think we just sit back and, and wait. But to your point, yes, you are correct in your assessment of his closeness of Santiago, who I remember very well in call games for when he played. And obviously, I don't know Danny Ainge, but, you know, he wants Scott to work, I don't think, full-time consulting for a team, possibly, like a Jerry West, a Pat Riley. Who knows uh, what's down the road. But um, I think probably this offseason, everyone's kind of waiting to see if change is coming at the highest of level. And if that's the case, that's going to impact decisions on players, right? Um so I think a lot, a lot. The only thing I can say is we'll probably find out together on this thing if anything happens, and it may not. Uh, but again, with new ownership and getting back to PK's, you know, he didn't have a question, but he had a statement about intrigue. I'm, I, I totally agree. I can't predict what Ryan will do. I think the Millers we kind of knew well, but you know they wanted to steady as she goes. And look, Jerry Sloan was was here forever because of that steadiness, and. You know, there were times he was fearful that he was going to lose his job. and But Larry was very, boy, what would be the word? You know, he was devoted but also understood what stability meant in his company and also in, in, with the Jazz. And, uh, you know, Jerry left on his own accord. He left his way. It was surprising, but he left, you know, left that way. Uh, and we'll see how, how it plays out with the Ryan Miller ownership. You know, this could be another 30-year run of ownership. And I know, you, and again, I go back to the one thing I remember talking to him about and what he said in his press conference. That again, he wants to win a title. And he may be very aggressive in that nature. And he may do things that will he thinks will help them, you know, help the Jazz get there. And so, again, it's just one of those things that we'll wait and see what direction he goes. And it's going to be intriguing, too. I'm anxious to see how this summer plays out. Bowler, we appreciate the time, as always. Thanks for joining us. I hear Joe's up. Joe is coming up. Joe's so up. You, Joe's, Joe's up, up in about. Uh, Joe's up in about fifteen minutes. So real quick, he uh, is taking off. Is he going right to the, where are they having camp? The, uh, the Australians are they going to Paris and then to Tokyo? Uh, he said he's going to L.A. Going to L.A. Okay, all right. Well, that's where the layover is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to have a layover, a little layover. Every time you fly to Hawaii, you got to layover for an hour and a half in L.A., right? Yeah. You Take get, the early morning flight, then you go get a little burrito and kill time, then you get on a plane yeah. you fly We've to Hawaii. We've often gone through Phoenix, actually. You can get a workout if he wants. You know? Yeah, but I fly. I don't fly charter. Well, fly charter, you don't go through Phoenix. Fly charter, you go direct. Well, yeah, but I thought you were meeting Sarver in Phoenix, and then you guys were going, what do I know? You're, you, you, Craig, you know he has a blue check mark on his Twitter? I didn't, I didn't know that until today. <laughs> DJ does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, blue check mark. You know what? I tried to uh, to apply, and I still haven't heard anything. Yeah. I mean, well, I may be denied, but DJ's climbed the ladder. Up. Yep, yep. Yeah, and, he, and he tries to play it. Oh, well, there's no status. So, well, then the, why have it? He's got a blue check mark on his Twitter account. And, and I got there. like 52 followers, and he's got a he's got a blue check mark. Jeez, he's even wearing blue today. Wow. Just throwing DJ, stuff against the wall. This is just random association time with PK. When did, when did this happen? Oh, he's, he's been holding out for me for a long time, and uh, I thought more, we, I thought we a had a partnership. Jeez. More than a year. I feel like Kay, when she found out Michael had been back in the <laughs> States for a year. I just clo- slowly closed the door on him, left him out there. Wow.
<laughs> that's the beauty of you two, man. It's, it's, it's a marriage. You, know, it, you, you argue, but you still get along. And sometimes my needs aren't being met. That's right. I want a blue check mark. How dare you? How dare you? Yak is both horrified and entertained at the same time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bowler. All right, guys. See you soon. Take care. DJ PK, Joe Ingles is coming up in about uh, 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! I'll be there, man. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys at the warehouse. My guys. Gordon and Jake. That's the big show. I know Jake's been keeping it quiet, but he's got a big birthday coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Our boy's all grown up. (laughs) He does, though. Yeah. We knew him when. I was talking to him a while back. And we were just talking about life. He's got two kids now and you yeah. know, all these things. And he looked at me and it's something. I said, well, yeah, I'm not that age anymore. He said, Ugh, you'll always be 37 to me. <laughs> and, and, and But that's true. You look at people, uh, and especially if they don't die older, they'll always be like a certain age. Like I'll always be my kid. I'm the kid brother. Mm-hmm. I could be freaking president of the U.S. And I'd you still, should be the kid, yeah. brother, kid you know brother. I mean? You're the oldest, so maybe you look at it differently. Uh, but they, because my sister's just in town, right? And we were talking about it. And they, they sort of, they look, she, man, you know, you've done really well for yourself. Like, I, I'm proud of you. I would never say that to her because she's always been up there. Yeah. No, I get that part. <laughs> I get that part of the relationship. Yeah. And so to Jake, we've known him for so long. Yeah, we know him in his early early twenties. Yeah, and so I can see where he, was, he would say that. I think he was out of school when he did our show, but he wasn't out of school by very much. I'd have to ask him and run that by him. But I think he was just barely out of school. No, he was a shaggy haired producer oh, yeah. whose <laughs> eyes were barely open. It's hanging by a thread, man. <laughs> he was such a show. And now he's approaching middle age with two kids. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's interesting that you know I've I view him. As a peer, a very, very good friend. And I care deeply about him and his success uh, because I've known him for so long. Mm -hmm. And the relationships matter. And it's just funny how people view people. uh, You know, he's the same age as my nephew. But my nephew's my nephew. He's a kid. (laughs) He's not my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. All that stuff's kind of weird how it plays out. But when you uh, see him at the warehouse, wish him happy tomorrow, birthday. Tomorrow, actually, yeah, I'm not sure when his birthday is. I don't know if it's tomorrow or the weekend. Doesn't matter. It's close enough. That is, birthdays uh, become birthday weeks. But I know it's a biggie. So happy birthday to Jake and doing a phenomenal job. Just completed the whole season uh, as uh, jazz. doing the pre-half and post. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a lot of time. That is. You yeah. have no idea until yeah. you do it. <laughs> 
I mean, you think you know, you kind of know. It turns out it's a lot. That's of the great thing about him, too. I mean, you could ask him to go do anything; he's going to do it well. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is; he'll do it well. All right, we got to take a break. We're coming back with Joe Ingles next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Joe Ingles coming up momentarily, putting a wrap on his seventh season. How about that? That's got to be a record. He's... Got to give credit to Joe for showing up every freaking week. He said he would do it. I remember one time he told me, he said, I said I'd do it, so I'm going to do it. So you don't have to worry about it. I'll do it. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And he's been absolutely spot on with that. Win or lose, doesn't matter. Nope. Good times and bad. Yeah. It's hard not to root for that dude, even though he drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Why does he drive you nuts? (laughs) He drives me nuts sometimes. With his yakking and the stuff he says on the air. No, he didn't drive me nuts. I'm just kidding. I mean, he's, I think when it's said and done, he and Hornacek are going to go down as my two favorites. Not surprising. Yeah. Hornacek is a favorite of literally everybody who covered the team in that era. Yeah, but and I got to know Jeff Moore after the era. Right. Doing some work with him and stuff, but just top of the line, dude. Absolutely. It's funny listening to him telling me some Phoenix stories and getting really uh, hot and bothered by the stories and the conversation <laughs> looking back. And so that, that was interesting. Then I put Millsap on that list too. Just always loved the way he carried himself, his work ethic, second round pick, lasting all these years in the league. Played hard, played at a high level. Yeah, and just. Did his did his interviews, and just did what he did, and that was it, man. It didn't have a whole lot of flair or substance, but you could count on him. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Brought to you by Cypress Credit Union for a limited time only. Get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, are we getting you in Utah? Have you gone off to join the Boomers and pursue the Australian Olympic dream and you're in L.A. or Vegas? or What's going on? Where are you? Um, I'm in Utah right now. Um, going to L.A. tomorrow morning um, for our first little kind of mini camp, um, which has been kind of rushed for me, obviously, because I had already told them a long time ago that I would not be at this part of it. Um, 
so yeah, trying to figure out some information in, and all that leading into it uh, this last few days, just to to figure it all out. Because obviously, um, in my mind, and, and even the team, um, the, the Boomers, they obviously had planned for for me not to be there. So um, I guess a little bit disappointing from one side that I am going, but obviously excited to get with with the guys as well um, tomorrow and. Um, yeah, kind of start that campaign of, of winning a medal. So how are you going to handle all this stuff during the offseason with the international as far as making sure your body is getting the type of recovery and staying in shape and improving your game and all the things that you would normally do in the offseason? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be busy. <laughs> um, I actually had a nice little... Um, obviously I'm still like I've said every off season I'm speak to coach and figure out some things that I can get better at or what, what I can work on and um, I'm still going to have time to do those things um, the, the staff we have with the boomers is, is um, a lot of different people from all over the place so um, I'll, I'll, I'll have coaches, I'll, I'll have rebounders and stuff like that, I'll be able to get individual work in um, as, as well as obviously getting ready with, with the team. So um, we've got a good medical team and, and fitness staff and all that. Uh, so, so I'll have I'll have enough time. Obviously, I'll be flying around a little bit here and there and traveling. Um, but I'll do whatever I have to do to make sure I'm getting my, the, the right amount of lifts in, um, not only for the Olympics, but for, for the, the preparation of, of next year as well. And um, the right amount of recovery in this first camp I'm going to tomorrow. I'm not going to really be doing anything um, more more to be with the guys, and um, this will kind of start my preparation. So I'll, I'll still lift. Um, I've been lifting all this week anyway. Um, obviously, get recovery in. I'll shoot a couple of times, but but nothing too strenuous this, this next few this next week in in LA and. Um, yeah, just make sure I'm, I'm on top of everything um, so that, well, obviously, one, I'm ready for the Olympics and, and trying, to, trying to do my best there and then, obviously, preparing for, for next season as well. So you've had a few days to let it uh, sink in, and when you look back, like, where, where did it go horribly wrong? What the heck happened? Uh, I mean, it's, it's something we'll probably obviously look and watch over the next few months. You, you, I was talking to, to JC yesterday. It still feels like we should be preparing for a game. Like it still doesn't mm-hmm. almost, like kind of feel too real that we're actually out. So, um, I mean, obviously the second half of that last game was was. I mean, I I can't even be bothered going into specifics or, or whatever right now. It's there's, there's nothing changing that right now. But obviously, there's things we need to, to either work, kind of work on. Um, Obviously, gonna there's some key key pieces with Mike and stuff that we need to figure out what what that situation looks like, um, and then kind of figure out individually what we can all do to be better next year. What what the, obviously the team will do what what they what they do or what they want to do um, in terms of the roster. That's obviously a little bit out of the, the player side of it control. Um, but all of us kind of looking at ourselves, what we can do. Obviously, we were a little bit beat up with a, a couple injuries, and, and that's not an excuse or anything, but that's just the the way it was. And we we played 
kind of reasonably well throughout the year with with missing some guys, but we obviously obviously fell short in that second half. Um, they they did play unreal in that second half, so you got to give a little bit of credit to them for what they did and how they played. But obviously, we felt like we, especially the way we played in the first half, we um, obviously thought we'd, we'd have a good shot at, at winning that game. So um, I said it in my exit meeting the, the day after or whatever day it was. Uh, for me, it was probably the toughest loss that, that we've had since I've been here um, with what we've done in the regular season and um, the, the first round with Memphis obviously playing a, a young, kind of gritty team, but we're able to get through that. Being up 0-2 and then um, we, we played some really good quarters and halves, but, but we, we didn't really put it all together to, to win that series. So... Um, once again, you, you go, you're going back to look at yourself individually. Obviously, the team will look at the team and, um, and we'll prepare for, uh, not right now, but slowly get our minds right to, to be ready for, for the start of next year. Guys usually support other guys in their business decisions. You know, you had been, uh, took the high road sure. when, when Hayward left and all that. Now you got Mike Conley, but I think you're on record as saying, you know, you certainly want him back. And in classic Joe Engel style, I'll go back there to his mansion. So you get in a little shot, but your point is uh, taken that you'll do whatever you can do. How will you handle that as far as getting involved with Mike's decision? Um, I mean, I'll be as involved as either the club wants me or um, obviously I'm going to I'm going to speak to him anyway. I've got a, a we have a great relationship. Our, our my my daughter and his son are in the same class, and so there's there's a lot of things that connect us, um, not just on the court, but but off the court as well. So our wives are going to a, a thing tonight together. Um, so um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things. Obviously, first and foremost, just as a basketball player, that uh, I think I mean if fans didn't want him back too, I would be struggling to figure out why. Uh, I think he showed obviously after that first year and, and getting more comfortable and being a lot more healthy this year um, what he does for our team. like the, Not just on the court, but off the court, he's, he's obviously a great teammate and all that. We don't need to, to dive into to all of that now, but um, uh, I think he, he, he showed what, what he does for our organisation on the court and, and obviously off. So if if they want me to be heavily involved, I will. If they want me to, to just kind of let them handle it, obviously Ryan and, and his team, um, whatever, whatever they need. But I, I'm going to obviously, regardless, I'm going to be texting him and talking to him all summer. Um, like I said, Al, there's a lot more connection than, than just the basketball side. So... Um, obviously, I hope he comes back, um, and we'll, I, I, I mean, I know Ryan and the front office will, will do it from their part or what they need to do. Um, I think the other side of it too for, for Mike and, and just thinking in in Mike's mind, I don't think he's ever been a free agent either. So for him to rush rush a decision, I, I don't see that happening. Um, whether he wants to be here or not, um, I think he'd always. You guys might know more, but I think he'd always extended with Memphis before he even ever got to being a free agent. So I don't think he's ever actually been an unrestricted free agent where he can actually sit down with the team or, or two and figure out where he wants to do. Obviously, he's got a family that will take a, a part of, of that decision as well, where they want to be and what they want to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll support him, like you said. Obviously, I hope the, 
support is, is him, his, him coming back here. But um, like I said, I'll do my part if I can, and, and I know the club will, and the, the rest is kind of up to him, I, I think. He did say in his uh, exit interview with the media that he had not been a free agent before. Yeah. So that, uh, okay. that I think out that's out there. I don't think it's like a like you you're gonna take meetings with other teams. I mean, I had all my meetings lined up. It's just that I met with the Jazz first, and I decided to say screw it and just sign right away. <laughs> I didn't. So, like, it's not a uncommon thing for guys to to meet with other teams. So. Initially, I wouldn't be reading into that too much. Once you get into those meetings and it's a few days in, then you can kind of figure out a little bit more of what might go on. But, um, again, it's, it's Mike's decision. It's his family's decision. And, again, we obviously hope he comes back and, and I'll do everything I can. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Are you looking at, with your age, being this the last opportunity to play with your national team? And if so, how much more does Hell it mean? No. No hell no, is that what you said? I'm playing until the wheels fall off with that one. That's, uh, I mean, that's just something, obviously, as I get older, um, yeah, you start to think, like, will this be my last Olympics? Will it be my last time kind of being able to represent my country or, or whatever? Um, I honestly haven't thought of that. I've always, my, my Patty Mills and I have had this, kind of thing for, I mean, we first made the team in 2008 in Beijing. Um, this would be our fourth Olympics together. Um, obviously, we feel like we're kind of the, the, the leaders of this group and, and trying to win this medal. We, we've never won a medal at a major tournament, um, obviously that being a World Cup or, or an Olympic Games. And we've been so close the last few kind of couple campaigns. And the, my mindset with the whole thing and the way I go about it is is purely... To, to win a medal with with some of my, my best friends, it's um, it, it's something that over the last like I said couple of campaigns we've we've had a roster and, and team that's been able to 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 achieve that. We have obviously fallen short, but I mean I remember in 2008 in Beijing like we we had a good team. I, I would never um, put any of my teams down or anything like that, but I don't know if we ever had a chance to actually win a medal. We 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 made the quarterfinals. Uh, my first two Olympics and crossed over with, with, with Team USA in the quarterfinals, which is, um, at that point, was a, a tough ask for us to do. We had, uh, I think, Bogan and Paddy were the only two NBA players we had, and the rest of us played in Australia and Europe. So as we've gone on, we've obviously, I mean, majority of our roster now is either NBA players or had recently been in the NBA. Um, obviously, with, like I said, what Last campaign, couple campaigns, we we believe we can win a gold medal or, or worst case scenario a medal. So if we don't, for us it's a it's a failure, um, and we've obviously kind of failed these last couple campaigns. And I know Paddy's the same as me. My whole mindset is that like I'm, I'm obviously if I'm healthy and able to, I'm I'm not going to give up on this opportunity until until we win a medal. So um, if we win a medal this summer, maybe that'll be it for me. Maybe not, but. Um, I just love it too much. I, I, the pride I have representing my country and um, having my family support me, and it's not just as playing for ourselves or this medal. It's we're representing a country. We're representing, like I said, my family. Um, it's something obviously I take a lot of pride in. So um, I'm, I'm lucky that the Jazz have always supported me in that too. And 
um, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, I don't know. I would, I would never put a, uh, a restraint on my, my Australian boomers career. Okay. So the NBA draft is coming up, and there aren't a lot of international players near the top of the draft this year, but I couldn't help but noticing a one guy who's projected as a middle-of-the-first-round guy, Josh Giddy, a guard from Adelaide, 6'8". I was wondering if you know anything about him. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, I do. I actually have... Um, so I've always been pretty open to, to obviously trying to help players or obviously more Australians. <laughs> um, but obviously helping kind of younger, that, that next kind of group coming up and for, for Australia, he was that guy. And, and I reached out to him probably over a year ago now. I just said, if you ever need anything or wanted to talk or... Um, and we've actually spoken more than I probably ever predicted. Whenever you give these options to, to kids, you, you never know where they'll take it. And, and Josh has been unreal uh, with, with asking questions. And um, I watched a ton of games. He, he plays for the Adelaide 36ers, which is my hometown. Um, so I know a lot of people around that, that organization. And, and obviously my family still lives there. And um, yeah, really good kid. Really, really, really high IQ. Um, I don't want to compare him to Lonzo, but that type of like pass first point guard mentality is, is how he plays. Um, really good in pick and roll, really good passer. Like you said, I think six, eight or whatever, like tall point guard. Um, still obviously some things to work on is his shooting and stuff is stuff that, um, I think it's like what I've talked about. It, if you're not in the NBA, it's, it's always harder to work on your game because you're working with. Like his team this year probably had 12, 15 players and they had, I think they had two or three coaches. So we, we've talked about that on here before, the, the attention to um, the time that you get to pay attention to your own game is, it is tough. So um, he still had done a lot of that. Like I said, I, I spoke to him and tried to get him, even during his NBL season, trying to get him as prepared as possible um, just to be ready for what he's going to face here and, I guess trying to help him and talk to him of, of how teams will play him here. Teams will go under the start. They'll force him to shoot. They'll, um, yeah, everyone gets kind of tested defensively when you first come over here. So um, he's got all the right tools. He 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 works his ass off. He, he's an incredibly hard worker, um, which is a is a really good start. I think if you're coming in the NBA with high IQ and you you work your ass off, you, you've got two things that are um, that are going to translate. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited for him. He's actually in LA right now. He, I was talking to him yesterday. He'll, he'll be at camp with us with the Boomers, and um, I mean, I hope he makes the, the the team. I don't know what that looks like with with Ross spots, and I have to wait till I get there and and, and get with the guys. But um, incredibly talented kid, and I'll I mean, I'll be working out with him a little bit as of tomorrow. So I'm excited for for him, and obviously for me to to get there with him and work out. Yeah, I don't know what he's necessarily predicted to go i think i think it was always kind of first round somewhere i think he he did draft uh kind of get his stock rising a little bit with with the way he played in the nbl this year he had a few triple doubles and, and, and played really well so um i don't know what peak we have but be, if he wants to come here as a maybe if mike leaves we'll uh we'll get josh giddy <laughs> <laughs> so your schedule obviously is going to be pretty tight you're going to have any opportunity to go home no um, which absolutely sucks. Um, I we actually just applied for an exemption for Renee again uh, just recently and got denied for the third time. So um, yeah, obviously sucks with with that part of it because 
Um, I think Renee was just saying yesterday, I think it's basically about two years now since we've been home, which for me isn't the biggest worry. I'm used to being away and not seeing my family, but Renee's extremely close with, with her family and, and all that. And her, they've never met Jack, um, who's seven months now. Um, Renee's brothers recently had twins, um, just coming up to a year now. So just, just those type of things obviously get to, probably Renee more, to, more than me, and it gets to me when it gets to, to Renee, uh, which, which is hard. Um, we'll, uh, we'll try and figure out a way. We can either try and either get some family here, but she, she'll be in Utah um, the whole time while I'm away. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough. I'll be obviously L.A. this week, and then I come back for a few days, and then obviously away again on the 5th to go to Vegas for a couple of weeks, and then Tokyo. So, um if you guys want to go and babysit or something, let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it sucks because yeah, yeah, I got. No you t- want to go home, you want to see your family, but um, obviously we understand I, kind of with COVID and what's going on in the world. I got no problem watching your American son. He's not American; he's Australian. I've got three Australian children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but it'd be good if the family could meet the future president of the United yeah. States. I mean, he's going to be rooting for the U.S. Man, he's going to he's going to oh, bring home the gold. Oh, oh <laughs> now you've crossed a line. It's one thing for him to be in the White House; that gets Joe to the Lincoln bedroom. But yeah, playing for the say. U.S. That's the only that's the only thing I'd support if he if he can get to uh, the president or something like that. I'll I'll support him with that. But anything else won't be done. Um, you should see. The way he lights up when I walk in the room, there's no way he'll be cheering for America. He gets, he, <laughs> okay, you realize I was only joking. <laughs> I mean, he might. It doesn't, I mean, it is what it is, right? I'll still I'll have to teach him some lessons. But, um, no, nah, we'll, we'll be here. Obviously, we're pretty comfortable here, too. Renee's comfortable. And, um, she was actually planning her, her birthday dinner, and she was like, I wouldn't – she invited, like, 20 people. She's like, I wouldn't have been able to invite 20 people a year or two ago. So oh, nice. We've, uh, we've got a lot of friends and, and close friends here now and stuff, so it's um, – yeah, we, we enjoy it here, but obviously getting home would be, would be nice, but it won't be probably now until next off-season. So um, it's a long way away, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe, we appreciate you coming on for another year. Up, oh, PK's got one more. Well, yeah, for another year, Joe. Yeah. So that's seven down. You're, you've set the record. I mean, basically, your stint with us has been longer than every Kardashian marriage. So that's very impressive. Uh, but that's throwing JC under the bus. JC was. <laughs> well, you did, not me. Uh, are, are we? We're going to make it eight, right? Yeah, I'm down. I, I'm I'm cool. I Good. as much as I mean, it's my show anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys want to come on for another year, and we do, um, very much so. <laughs> that would be good. We'll uh, we'll get back to it. I I was just telling Jake before. I'll I'll be I'll be around in the next couple of weeks anyway in America, and then we can try and do one via Tokyo internet if that works. Japan Japanese internet. I don't know how that works all over there, but if we can make it work, we will. That's good. I was just uh, I was just talking to a guy who's going to be over there for the Olympics. We'll have multiple Olympic correspondents. That'll be awesome. Oh, there you go. They can ask me some silly questions of yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. We appreciate it, and we will definitely take you up on the offer. We will we will follow the international portion of your basketball career closely. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. Thanks. 
Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, coming up, we'll get you up to speed on all the stuff you missed if you join the show late. We'll do that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Trey Young in the middle, four and a half to go third. Now Kevin Herter. Kevin out to John Collins. Back to Trey. Trey on the right wing. Trey drives off the glass, and John Collins jams it home. That was a pass off the glass by Trey Young. Trey Young's going to bring it back now for the Hawks. 2.35 to go in the quarter. Trey dribbling behind the pick. Now Trey crosses over. Stops. He sets. He shoots the three. Bang! They left him wide open, and he did a set shot. Trey dribbling, driving into the lane. Little floater by Trey. Is around the rim and out. Rebound, though, taken by Clint Capella. Up and in. Clint Capella has given the Hawks the lead. And the Atlanta Hawks win game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. 116-113. Trey Young, 48 points, 11 assists. Those stats inflated by helium, right? Or was that just the announcer's voice? That was the announcer, but uh... let me let me hear the announcer's voice. <laughs> Back to the helium. We're gonna we're gonna get you what you missed earlier in the show. It's not a full balloon of helium. No. Clint Capella has given the Hawks the lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a quick breath off the balloon. Yeah, just <laughs> you gotta gotta talk quick. Every eight year old birthday party ever. Yeah, it's always funny when you do that. Uh, sure, but uh, Trey Young, wow, man, what a player! The next Steph Curry. <laughs> you just keep saying that. Why not? Diminutive in style, a size, relatively yes. speaking. Uh, I mean, that was a massive game, man. <laughs> you can't. There's no other way to go with biggest stage he's ever played in. Forty-eight on, points, eleven assists, right? yeah. easily the biggest stage he's been on. Yeah, they're in a conference final. Yeah. And the Hawks won a game. The only other time they've been in the conference final since they moved to Atlanta, they got swept. And now they have home court. Yep. For the time being. Yes. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Get, how come Giannis didn't score in the last two minutes? He was rolling in the fourth quarter. They were getting him lobs. They were getting him dunks. Is Giannis going to be the, the best player never to win a major? <laughs> <laughs> Well, right now, as a two-time MVP, he is. I mean, it's always active. active right, active. it's always active. In, the, in golf, we assume active, but in the NBA, we assume all-time. I don't know why that is. No, I'm speaking active. But, but active, yeah, as a two-time MV, NBA Because MVP. it seems like, man, he has a one of the, if not the biggest burdens on him every time he takes the floor. Yeah. It's like it's a referendum on his game every time he goes out to play. Yep. You're all, well. You're the probably the most athletic player in the league. You know that uh, uh, turn to the back and lay it in, and you seem like you leave from the three point line, and it's one big giant step, and you do that little spin move, and you're right there. So he's got all that ability, and uh, but yet each time they lose, ah, see, he's like the individual jazz player. Oh, for the Jazz team. Aha, see? Well, him, yeah. They're down 0-1. Oh, Giannis, yeah. I mean, so it seems like he carries a huge burden. And and Trey Young, 
Wow, man. For someone who couldn't care less who wins this series, I'm going to try to watch every second of it to see what I can get out of Trey Young and how much he can entertain me. And, and it's cool to see the little guy succeed. Well, are they going to pull it off? Because usually when a team is lower seed and they get an upset, they usually don't win the next series. But the Hawks did, right? They didn't have home court. They were five well, versus four. That was a big upset. Then I don't, five takes down one. That's a big upset. That's right. a massive upset. Where did the Bucks finish? Three? They were three. That's not that big of an upset. That's like one spot. I realize it's five, but four and five. So the big upset for the Hawks already occurred. So, this is what happened. Uh, yes, I think they can yeah. win a series. This is what happened in the East last year, right? Miami was in the middle of the pack. Yeah, except last year. Yeah, but it's not if it's, it happens again this year. I get if it's the only it's time it happens, legit this you year. can totally dismiss it. Or it just comes down to the East as just a series uh, of paper tigers. Yeah. Atlanta's different in that they seem to be a completely different team since the coaching change. I mean, they were headed for Lotteryville. Sure, yeah, obviously. Not the same. No one's the guy. Bustville, obviously. Rick Carlisle's got the Indiana job. They're saying this He does. Four years, $29 that Rick Carlisle. Did he already coach there? Uh, He was an assistant to Larry Larry Bird. Larry Bird's top assistant. Oh, was he Detroit's head coach? Where was the head coach before? Detroit. Is that what it was? I think it was Detroit. Pistons, correct. So he wasn't on the market very long? No, I think the thought was that when he left Dallas, he knew that he'd have at least one, if not two, landing places. Good for him. Yeah, I don't know. He had ties to Boston and he had ties to Indiana, and I think there was speculation about both places. I don't know. He's obviously not getting the Boston job. They're going another direction. I don't know how close he was or wasn't to that, but he gets the Indiana gig. So, according to Jay Williams's Twitter feed, the first person of color getting that Celtics job. Not close to true. (laughs) That was a bizarre. Try like number seven, but okay. Doc Rivers. Casey Jones. Yeah. Okay, Bill those Russell. are nice coaches, but they're not Bill Russell. <laughs> in the comp, in the uh, the accomplishments oh, to the game of basketball, you're one of the goats. I don't know that anybody's accomplished more. You can argue this guy's better, that guy's better, but I'm talking about the game of basketball. Who has accomplished more than Bill Russell? Not in the pro game. I'm talking about the game, which encompasses. College, international, pros. And my guess is he probably two won NCAA, in high school, too. Two NCAA <laughs> titles. Uh, at the time, the longest win streak in college basketball. Now the second longest win streak in college basketball. He won 60 in a row. Undefeated season in senior year. Olympic gold medal. 11 titles in 13 years with the Celtics. And one of those two years, he was hurt. Yeah, so I'm not sure that there's anybody who's accomplished more in the game. But I don't know that Jay Williams actually treated that. He, he said it was hacked and he's got a new password and all. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, well, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Even if he tweeted it and he made a mistake, so what? He's a human being. Other things we have talked about this morning. The Holiday Bowl is moving to Petco Park. They tore down Qualcomm. Been there for 42 well, finally years. Finally, we'll get somebody who can win in the postseason in that stadium. Hey, oh! <laughs> Couple million dollars worth of renovations to take out some seats out in the outfield and uh, along the first baseline next to the dugout. Oh, just shorten the field. It's a meaningless <laughs> Put game it anyway on an at this point. Field. What difference does it make? 
Put it on an 80-yard field. <laughs> Where this thing is going with the 12-team playoff, in a couple years it'll be rendered even less relevant. That's still apparently four to five years away. Don't know how to get out of all the contracts they've signed. But yes, we see where it is trending. Yeah. Uh, we had Joe Ingles on, and he was talking about his international stuff. And, you know, there was so much, you know, with the injuries and LeBron, I told you so. But it was negotiated, and most of the union, the guys wanted the money, and they were willing to risk you know, whatever risk comes with playing a compacted schedule. Look how many guys are doubling down on international play. Now, some guys are opting out. Mitchell and Harden, you know, with, well, their, injuries. with their injuries, they're opting out. Would they have opted out if they were healthy? You know, uh, we won't know. Mitchell would play, but Mitchell will play at some point. He's 24 years old. Right. So you would think he'll end up there. He's and got probably whatever. at least two opportunities, if not three. Yeah, because it's three years next, so 27 and 31. Yeah. Yeah two good options there, you would think. Right. It's not just the U.S. Olympic team. As Joe was pointing out, there's a lot of NBA guys on on Australia, and there's a sprinkling on lots of these teams. We don't know exactly who's going to qualify, so we don't know exactly how many NBA players are going to be there, but somebody's going to total it up, and it's going to be a big number. Oh, yeah. Spain usually has some. Yeah. France, obviously. Yeah. Rudy's going to play, and Batum's on that team. I don't know off the top of my head. Argentina now has players. Argentina has, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess as much as LeBron says, I'm right, we played too many games, we need rest, but then over here you're going to have whatever the number turns out to be, 25, 35, 45, whatever it is. Guys are opting in to like, hey, let's play more basketball. Well, I think it's especially true for the foreign guys to play for their international teams because there's not as many. We can just dip down, and I can't get James Harden, so I can get Devin Booker. Right. right. That's not a bad trade-off. But right Booker's there. playing a lot of postseason games, and he may play some more here. Well, yeah. They're, they're up a, 2-0 with Game 3 tonight. Yeah, I read that they have a charter. If it goes to the end, they have a charter. To get those guys, get, whoever they need. Yeah. And it's all set up, if so everything's ready to go, if that's what it takes. So... And your Booker, it's a great, I believe, uh, economical move. It's a smart investment because we follow him. We're NBA guys. But the country now is seeing Devin Booker on a bigger stage. It looks mm-hmm. like I can't say they're going to win the series, but with Kawhi out and whatever, it looks certainly they're in the driver's seat. So get to the finals. And whoever they get on the other side, the Suns can win. So... This is a great marketing move by Devin Booker to get himself in this position and to, to, to go and from how mu- one high stage to the next, and then you're going to cash in. Right. And how much of it is a marketing move for well, all of these guys? Oh, I don't right. care. I'm yeah. not, not going to take money out of guys' pockets. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> that's what they want to do. I'm yeah. all for it. They have there's, every right to do that. There's a lot of advertisers, and a lot of these guys, and you just start with the apparel companies, the shoe and apparel companies for starters, but it's not limited to that. No. Some of these guys have other... Have other deals going, and whether it's I car say company, the more they do whatever. that, the better. The more Magic Johnsons and Dwayne Wades you have in the business world, I'm all for yeah. it, man. And all those sponsors are going to want you to play on that on that global stage. Yeah, get their brand out there even more. I say like we had Mike Weir on once, and I asked him, you know, you guys basically are all mini corporations unto yourselves. 
if you do it right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they are. They basically own a business, and that business is themselves. Well, Bob told us that in the case of the PGA guys, you used to make double whatever you made on tour, you made double off tour with all your endorsements and deals and appearances and, and all that kind of stuff. And that that number has now grown exponentially. And so whether it's triple or quadruple or whatever, we can ask him what the number is, but it's, it's taken off from there. That double, that was like, that was 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're making even more off. Right. Away from, away from whatever they make in their, in their tour earnings. Uh-huh. All right, DJ and PK, that's a lot of what we have hit. Um, RSL came back from Seattle pointless, and that was a word <laughs> PK seized on earlier. It worked, though. <laughs> the, the, the coach said we came home without a point, so that makes it pointless. pointless. A waste of then time. had fun. <laughs> and RSL will be hosting Houston Saturday. The games right, just keep coming. Right back at you. Yep, they are. They, they started two months later, so there's a more compact schedule. All right, that is the stuff we've been talking about during this show. And when we come back, your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. Question of the day, Steve Kerr says, Kevin Durant is more gifted than Michael Jordan. How can that be? And there are a lot of references to Steve Kerr and drug use. And I look like uh, George Clooney, too. (laughs) More comparisons. Bring them on. I just wouldn't go there. And, man, you know you upset Jordan. He scours the internet every day for slights. No doubt about that. (laughs) He is taking names. (laughs) Forget uh, Kerr ever coaching Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine with Steve Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> He's too used to winning. He got his three titles with the Bulls, and then he got, I think he got two more in San Antonio. Now he's got three more with the Warriors. He's trying to run down Phil. Phil got two with the Knicks, and then 11 coaching, six with the Bulls, and five with the Lakers. Does Aubrey have the most? I thought he passed. I thought. I think oh, Phil, Phil passed Arbach. That's, Arbach. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, they made a big deal about that. You're right. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But Kerr's sitting at Kerr's sitting at eight. How do I get me some more of those? It's going to be tough. Get more healthy, parades. It is going to be tough. Get a healthy Clay Thompson for one. Yeah, and, that'll and, help. And I they got that, two of the top 14 draft picks, but unless they trade those for a vet, the they can't kid. really afford. Have James you seen their? Pay- yeah. Have you seen their payroll? Yeah, they're oh, that reminds me of yours. No, <laughs> not even close. Larry, you blue check mark guy. Larry Ellison is really going all in. Well, and you got these two guys, and they're running out of time. They're paying Draymond Green twenty four million. They're paying Wiggins thirty one million. Clay Thompson thirty eight, and Steph Curry forty five point seven. Jeez, and Steph's new deal is going to push him to fifty here soon. Well, I can understand the other three. The, that's a, almost $140 million for those four Wiggins guys. The Wiggins thing, that, that, that's where I think this get, that really gets me, is that these guys that are okay making this out. Curry and Thompson money. are selling luxury suites at a million bucks a pop. Their name sells those suites. And they yeah. build a new arena with a gazillion of them. Yeah, but their Wiggins, jerseys are retired. Yeah. Statues, the whole spiel. Right. So if you're selling all these million-dollar 
luxury suites, and then you get this big payday, I get it. Right, right. But Wiggins yeah. isn't selling the luxury suites. No, he's a complimentary player. He's okay. Yeah. He, can yeah. have his, he can have some games. He's right. a fine player, but... Wiseman at $9 million is the next guy. We'll see what he can do. And that's contracted. They have no choice but to pay him. That's slotted. Right, that's the slotted rookie deal. So next year, the Warriors already have $168 million in payroll. So My the goodness. thought that they're going to trade... Bodes well for Pace's kid, then. They need guys in the lower end. <laughs> right. Which is still very, very high for the rest of us. But that's that's the trick that everybody faces. And, you know, that, that puzzle that you've got to put together and solve to the best of your ability. Right? I mean, really, every GM is facing that to one degree or another. Yes. All of the good teams. The yeah. Suns already have $125 million, uh, next year. That's what I'm interested to see what Ryan Smith is going to do because, obviously, there's no history there. Right. He's never done it, right? This is so. his first time. We'll, and, and we'll see it each succeeding year. Uh, but now, now's the time. And I'm not going to tell anybody, hey, you need to go over the cap to do this or that. I'm I'm not going to begrudge anybody for making money, nor am I going to begrudge anybody for saving money. Jazz have 134 million guaranteed, and that's with zero on the Mike Conley line. And he's going to get more than zero. Fact. <laughs> Is he going to get it here or somewhere else? My gut instinct says he stays here. Yes, you and I were discussing that off the air yesterday. You were you were poo-pooing the thought that he would chase a ring with another elite team because there's no guarantee. Well, I think if we've seen anything in the NBA this year, there's no guarantees. Place XYZ is the best right. place. It may be the yeah. best place to get that title, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. And I believe this team is going to be better next year than they were this year. $134 million is a lot of money. But Phoenix is right there at 125 The Warriors at $168 million. So all these teams, well, you know, who's over yeah. the cap? The good and- thing about it is they're good teams. The worst is you have a crappy team. <laughs> Yes, pay all that money and then have nothing. Yeah, uh, the Lakers are at 121 million next year. So, and that's with only part of a roster put together. That's with like seven guys under contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, DJ and PK Hanson Scotty will pick it up and run with it from here on 97.5 at 1280 the zone.